0: to three movie podcasts for so Now You See Me Too. My Woo. name is Tom Chick. I'm here to talk about this movie with Christian March-Listoski. I'm the new podcaster. I'm
1: the woman podca- podcaster. Woo!
0: <laughs> uh, so adorable thing is. And we also have with our Now You See Me Too tagline,
2: Kelly Wan. It's Magician's Eleven,
0: but without the charisma. Oh, I can I throw in a tagline that I thought – because yeah. it's kind of like yours. Here's my tagline that goes along those lines. Ready? Mm-hmm. O- Ocean's four and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's being generous. The well, I'm sure it's four of them and Ruffalo's like a half. Yeah, you're right, though, Dingus. That is a little generous. Uh, and Kel- Freeman. Um, and Dingus, if you have any, jump in here as well. Uh, Kelly Wand, other taglines for this movie. It's half the cast of
2: Zombieland versus both the Dark Knight's butlers.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> although, although, what's his name in Dark Knight? He's not his butler. It's like the, the head of the research he's his, division. He, he's his gun
2: butler and his car butler, so it's he's his, his
1: chauffeur. He's his corporate butler.
0: Fox Lucius, Fox. Lucius Fox. I just thought of his name off the top of my head. See, Good smart. job. This is your grandma. This ain't Miss Daisy's chauffeur. He it could makes be Lu- the car. It could
1: be Lucius. It could be Thaddeus. Look, look, you know,
0: anything. Good point. It's with, uh, it Kelly sounds Marks. like mucus. So far these are both hits. What else do you got? <laughs> Lucius, Thaddeus, right. Rhymes with mucus, yeah.
2: Mucus Freeman. No offense. hope that didn't sound racist. Guest starring Woody Harrelson as Lex Luthor.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Kelly Wan, these are gold so far. I'm waiting They're for the great. sticker. Yeah, I'm waiting for one, a clunker to land. Go ahead, Kelly do you got more?
2: Uh. Maybe you should quit while you're ahead. It's like the Prestige, but with Michael Caine.
1: No? All right. You want a clunker? Wait,
0: wait, wait, I haven't seen Prestige in so long. He's... Oh, yeah, you know, he does yeah, a he's voiceover. In it. Right, right, of course, right. He yeah.
1: He doesn't just do voiceover. He's... I'm in every magician movie. yes. He's even isn't in the, the Illusionist.
0: Isn't the part in the hats where he's talking about all the hats in the woods? That's Michael Caine, though. He's explaining the whole structure of the movie, right?
1: About looking closer.
0: Look closer. Maybe I'm not remembering, but I I remember he's in it. But I thought he was like the overall narrator who does the who explains the whole deal about the prestige and maybe not. Um, Which movie?
1: I don't think I didn't think he did, but maybe he did. But he's in it. I mean, he's definitely in it. He's the one who finds, you know. He finds the final thing.
0: Right, but there's the whole bit. I remember it opens with the top hats in the, top hats in the woods that Tesla right. has done, yes. and then there is voiceover about the different acts, the different structures of a magician's act. For some reason, I thought they would have gotten Michael Caine to narrate that. Of oh, but but course.
1: You might be right about that, but what's what's striking is that – and I didn't even think about this until you said it – is that he's doing that the same thing. Like, you, Do you think you're looking closely enough? He's doing that same uh, thing. Yeah. That whole voiceover at the beginning of The Prestige is the same. It's
0: like a magic sure show.
1: You have to be looking closely. Right, right. No, yeah. But this is Morgan Freeman.
0: Oh, dingus. So this. Uh, this yeah, is yeah. Morgan Freeman. Uh, Kelly Wan, that's four good ones. Uh, do you have a fifth? Uh, you know, I don't- No, I don't even
2: have three. Stop being greedy. There are other things I wrote. Don't Those worry. were great.
0: Well, Well, first of all <laughs> – Jingus, I would like you to make me and Kelly Wan take a quiz and, and see which one of us wins. And I'm going to pre-guess that the movie you're going to read a synopsis for is The Prestige. Did I win? It's, oh, you got it. Man, you're so good sweet. at this. Sweet.
1: Unbelievable. All right.
2: I'm it. guessing it's Magic with Anthony Hopkins as a puppet.
0: Oh, oh,
1: good one, Kelly Wan. Kelly Wan, that was my runner-up. You guys
2: are Ooh!
0: Awesome. When's the last time you saw Magic, Kelly Wand?
2: um when i was
1: masturbating on thursday no no I, we didn't want okay have you ever read the book oh, by the oh. way?
0: william goldman sure I, think. I, I remember reading it as a kid after being freaked out by the movie yeah yeah, uh, yeah my brother was reading it did william goldman do the script or did oh. he just do some weird novelization of it he must have done the script right Dingus.
1: it's not a novelization it's his book um but i don't know if he did the script
2: well, biggest, this, isn't it like you think the puppet's the killer, and then there's a shot where his hand just
0: comes into the screen? Well, well you haven't is,
1: seen it recently. Yeah. Aha,
0: because yeah. I have seen it recently, and, and we've I, we've um, actually debated about, that. or not debated, we've we've talked yeah, about yeah. that moment. Yeah. Yeah there there's definitely and in the and I remember listening to a commentary where they explained it it was just a mistake and they left it in there uh, the the yeah. overall fiction of the movie is that there's no there's nothing supernatural it's just a psychological thriller where anthony hopkins is crazy but there is a moment where anthony hopkins has set the dummy down and its eyes move and yeah. uh, I want to say – is it Richard Attenborough? Who directed that thing? It's, that's not, it's not Attenborough. It's ridiculous. No,
1: it? it is Attenborough. I think you heard right about
0: that. It's so, almost positive. And I remember that scene because it seems to imply – it doesn't seem to imply the dummy moves after Anthony Hopkins has put it down. That's a scene that's left in the movie.
1: Right, right, right.
0: But in a commentary track not made by – I think it was a commentary track made by the guy who was actually controlling the puppet because Anthony Hopkins didn't know how to control the, the dummy, the ventriloquist dummy, and they later dubbed in his voice, but they had an actual ventriloquist guy controlling the puppet who would be like behind Anthony Hopkins, you know, doing that trick where you put your hands under somebody's uh, arm, and that's like their like he was controlling the puppet for Anthony Hopkins, and so when Anthony Hopkins puts the puppet down, this puppeteer still has his hand up the puppet, and he accidentally moved it, its eyes, uh, so for whatever reason, and the, the guy doing the, Puppeteering didn't know why, for whatever reason, Attenborough left this shot in. Uh, so it totally it, it changes suppo- the whole movie. I know, I know, right? Dingus, yeah. Uh, and I wonder what William Goldman would think of that, because I doubt there's anything in the novel that implies that that Fats, the puppet's name is Fats, that Fats is actually alive. Yeah, so. Is it
1: weird to listen to the commentary track when it's just the guy's hand? Uh, I don't. Uh, <sighs>
0: uh, oh, did <the>, you? <laughs> I'm not understanding what Dingus is making a joke about. The guy I think he's doing <laughs> a ventriloquism joke. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's complicated, so I like it. Yeah. Well, Dingus, while you're tricking me with stuff, why don't you submit uh, Kelly Wand and I do a quiz and see which tricks one you win.
1: All right. This is just a review. This is a um, uh, one of the normal old watcher viewer reviews that you would find on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Um, and this uh, this review is entitled Fun and Entertaining.
0: Do we get to know how many stars the reviewer gave the movie? Is
1: that uh, it doesn't say, but 92 out of 120 people found this following review useful.
0: Interesting. He gave oh. it
2: two words, fun and entertaining.
1: Fun yeah. and entertaining. That's actually three words.
2: Yeah. 28 uh,
0: people found this useless. That's right. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones I want to talk to. <laughs> well, let's see what was written first, Kelly Wand. All
1: right, here All we right. go. First off, I would just like to say that anyone who reads into this movie too much, i.e., try to take the validity of each and every aspect of the movie, will hate the film. I mean, was it <laughs> wrong? Not okay, what? Coming from a programmer and a computer enthusiast, the uh, movie was great despite
3: Gandhi.
1: all Trump. false statements. Despite all the false statements, fake GUIs, and totally BS methods of cracking, uh, Jurassic Park, The Alman. Quite frankly, if you are one of my okay. fellow computer geeks and don't expect anything close to the real deal,
0: hackers. It,
1: yeah, it is hackers. Dare. Very good, Tom. It is hackers.
0: Sneakers. What's wrong with hackers, though? Like, why? I'm gonna keep it's... guessing. Though. Is that all right? I get it's like I haven't even seen hackers. That's with Angelina Jolie, right?
1: Oh yeah, and uh, What's Johnny, wrong with
0: hackers? Johnny.
1: And who else? John Johnny, what's his name? God, what's his name? Travolta. Well, I, I, I know that, that uh, Fisher, uh, Fisher Stevens is in it. Johnny Lee Miller, I think, is his name.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. The the terrible Sherlock Holmes who, who – Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He takes screen time from Lucy Liu, frankly, is what okay. I hear.
1: Oh, dear. Oh, he and also the uh, inimitable Matthew Lillard.
2: Hmm. As a hacker?
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he plays somebody named Serial. And I know this because – Is
2: it I, a C-E or S-E?
1: Like cereal – it's cereal spelled like, like a box of cereal, but I think he's uh, – Like a like, matrix cure, like killer. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, also a cereal isn't a, is a series of numbers. Like, there's probably some yeah. mathematic use of the word cereal.
2: My hacker name is Printer Cable.
0: Spread <laughs> right around. Kelly one, could you give me and Dingus hacker names as well at some point in this podcast? You don't have to give it to us right now, but if you think of good hacker names for me and Dingus, let us know. Your
2: name's USB port. <laughs> this is, is um, mouse pad.
0: Ah, uh, I think I got the better deal.
2: Sounds a little
1: effeminate. <laughs> Good, we're gonna. That's fine with me. I'm the. I'm happy to be the woman on this. But well, I will uh, talk about. I will talk about mouse later on in this podcast. I will like.
2: He's to my it. favorite Matrix character, and he lives, but he's, you never see him again.
1: Or is he the guy with the
2: chain gun? Because they have kind of similar.
1: No, face. no, mouse is the guy with the. Uh, you know who like. Talks about uh tasty wheat. And he makes the red the girl in the red dress.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's his name was Mouse, by the way, because his character was small. Hmm.
1: In the movie. But I wanna talk about a different character called Mouse later.
2: No. Oh, uh Lady Hawk.
1: Nope. Anyway, later on in this uh, this listener or watcher's review, he does talk about, um, in closing, don't expect a command line prompt or a true Unix client on any of the systems because it just doesn't happen in movies. Instead, watch the movie because it's exciting, fun, and great throwback to the early 90s. And I love it whenever somebody mentions Unix because it makes me think of Jurassic Park.
0: I can't think of a single movie, though, where actual computer work is presented – I wouldn't say realistically, but it's presented. Well, yeah, realistic. Swordfish, swordfish. because yeah, you have Halle Berry blowing you while you work. Is that how that works? It's,
2: that's not Halle Berry.
0: Are you serious? No. Oh. Well, she doesn't do the blow. It's another girl. Oh, but I thought. Ha- I've never seen it. Okay, okay, I've never seen it. I just heard that, that was in it. Why would uh, I see? Why would I see swordfish? Because it's your industry. It's buses. Wait, hacking the, is my industry. What are you talking about?
2: <laughs> yeah, you type. We use a keyboard in your work. <laughs>
0: Uh wait where were we I have no idea where we were Dingus let's get uh down to, this is almost as convoluted as the plot of Now You See Me 2. Would you uh, like to know
1: what movie we saw this week
0: Yes I would Dingus let let us know that now
1: All right <laughs> now we saw this week this very week now we saw Now You See Me number two uh, a 2016 American action adventure comedy thriller capable caper sequel movie. <laughs> Caper, just catch a caper. Yeah, they pulled it off. Whatever they were doing about, give him the stick. Don't give him the stick. Ooh, it was directed by John M. Chu. Oh. And it was written...
2: picked at random. But it was—I uh, felt like it was—we. It looked like it was random, but it was really chosen by the like the magician. To
1: do it. Okay, where the... You I'm sorry, it was written by Ed Solomon, with story uh. by Peter and Characters by Boaz Yakin and Edward Rycourt. See, now we're talking. So characters. characters by means they wrote the other movie.
0: And couldn't be yeah, – and had no desire to be involved in this one. But the WGA thought, you guys should still get some money anyway.
1: Yeah, because Characters.
0: You still brought them to life.
1: You came up with somebody named – You're a parent. Meerkat McKinney. Uh, okay. Uh, it stars uh, Lizzie Kaplan, Mark Ruffalo, Morgan Freeman, Jesse Eisenberg – David Franco, and Sanaa Lathan. Mm. Now You See Me too is rated PG-13 for violence and some language.
0: Mm-hmm. Kelly Wan, did the MPAA miss any important things that should be in that rating that parents should know about in case they want to take their children in this movie? I would add dismemberment. Okay. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty you – know, if you don't know what's going on, that could be an alarming to a child, that scene.
1: Was alarming to an adult, I think.
0: Yeah, I felt like the crowd watching in
2: silence. Uh, people thrown from a plane.
1: Mm. That was
2: intense. And Harry Potter's goatee.
0: <laughs>
1: that could really be confusing to children. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Wait a minute, Mom. It's the oldest goatee in the world.
0: Uh, now you see me too. Opened at number three on its opening weekend, behind The Conjuring Two and Warcraft. <laughs> how humiliating! <laughs> it made twenty-two million dollars in its opening weekend here in the U.S. <clears throat> not huh. a great, uh, not a great summer
2: showing. movie. Big summer movie, blockbuster, tentpole. Uh,
0: well, you know, it's a movie. I, this is like Warcraft, oddly enough. This is a movie made for China. I mean, I don't know how obvious that is. It is. is? But, oh please, it's yeah. In I mean, cow. Because of the lady character? No, no. (laughs)
1: uh,
0: So the deal with China these days – and actually if you look at the – it made – in China, this movie made – am I looking at the numbers right? Four times as much in China as it made in the US. Wait, that's not right. So they liked Warcraft and this, so for them it was the best weekend ever. Like, yeah. No, so I'm sorry. The, the Yeah, I, I, I wrote this down because it was worth noting. It definitely made more in China than it did in the U.S. for its first two weekends. Uh, with the third weekend, we're recording this after the opening. The third weekend numbers from China aren't in. But right. it made – did I say
2: – They like watching white people do we magic to, where they yep.
0: live. Yeah, you have to convert
1: it into yen.
0: They do that. Shoot, I've got two conflicting numbers. I might be right about its opening – we can take it's either 31 million or 22. It's got to be 22 million, and then the 31 is for some preceding days. I don't know. At any rate, it made 44 million in China for its first weekend. Uh, so, yeah, this is a Chinese movie for all intents and purposes. Kelly, Wan – talk about a dynasty. There are not. Like, there are only a certain number of movies that can to, to to be. China controls how many U.S. movies are shown there. Something like 30 uh, a year are allowed to open in China. Uh, However, what you can do to get around that, to do an in-run around that, if you film a certain amount of your production, I think it's like a third in China, you are considered a local movie. So, okay. as Mingus pointed out, there's a reason that a th- so much of this movie takes place in Macau. You can see the same thing in movies like Transformers Age of Extinction. Uh, so hey, it's definitely a movie made for China and is it's there... making its mo- money back in China.
1: I wonder if they have some of the similar labor practices too, like like with filming in Canada, You have to like uh, employ a certain number of Canadian uh, workers in order to have the production be qualified for filming in Canada. China does that too.
0: In order to make it considered a local, I think there do have to be like a certain number of cast members in China, which would explain a couple of scenes.
1: Cast (laughs) or crew or whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, Hey, were they hungry for a third one of these? Half an hour later.
1: (sighs) They They don't call them Chinese movies over there, Tom. They just call them movies.
0: <laughs> Wait for that part of the synopsis. <laughs> uh, uh. On Rotten Tomatoes, this movie's not doing well. 32% of the reviews are positive. On Metacritic, the average rating from various reviews, 47 out of 100. Uh. Kelly, I would like you to now explain everything that happens in this movie and spoil all the events of it by unveiling the – now you spopsis me toopsis. <laughs> That's kind of what I had, actually. Yeah. I approached it the same way. I was trying that in the same way that Lizzie Kaplan was trying her lines in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> same amount of energy is what I gave that. Yeah.
2: Organic. Yeah. <laughs> I really believed she felt that way she felt, though.
1: Oh, poor Lizzie Kaplan. Man. No, I didn't. I just <laughs> wanted to go back and watch Party Down. I know, right? <laughs>
2: She didn't care. I respect that.
1: No, I think she cared a great deal. I just don't think it... You know, uh, anyway, go ahead. You
0: you move. You move. You.
2: Now you see Mopsis Twopsus. Nice. <laughs> Morgan Freeman's all. Hello. I'm Morgan Freeman. The first movie ended with me in prison. I've been anally raped in here. Oh, wait. 66 times. It's just got dark. Ow. Make that 67. Some gaps and puzzle pieces spell out now you're still seeing Mopsus Twopsus. <laughs> Lex Luthor puts on a hoodie and bangs on a door. <laughs> it's a long one, too. I really it like goes- where this is
0: going. Yeah, me too.
2: A ghost's head emerges and goes, The eye, says. It retreats and slams the door. There's an establishing shot in New York City, but no words. Ruffalo bangs into this crowded police station and goes, Pigeons! His (laughs) long-suffering boss is all, Come on, Ruffalo. We all know you're a secret magician. Your colored hanky's still dangling out of your sleeve there. Fucking left your top hat on, waving a wand. Here, we've already replaced you with someone just as ineffectual. He gestures at Thandie Newton.
0: Oh. (laughs) What? Dingus loves that chick, by the way.
1: I really really like Sonali. She's
0: really good at it. She looked totally different.
2: (laughs) Really good acting. Waving a sassy finger at Ruffalo, she's all, you don't know me. (laughs) Ruffalo's all, look, whatever happened at the end of the last movie, no one even remembers. What's relevant now is a British software billionaire. I think he might even be a magician, and deception's a crime ruffalo's boss is all i get it ruffalo you want everybody to think you're a dumbass i just hope someday i'm there to see it ruffalo's (laughs) all oh yeah now if you'll excuse me ever seen a ruffalo
3: teleport
2: they look down to find ruffalo suddenly wearing handcuffs rainbow colored curtains drop on top of the annoyed cops followed by curtain rods (laughs) they struggle curse and open fire a woman screams the boss is all damn it ruffalo can't you just leave like normal people when the cops finally free themselves from the curtains, Ruffalo's magically already asking them which door's the exit and to pick a card. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lex Luthor comes home to find Lizzie Kaplan in his apartment tied up. He's all hoo hoo, shim shimmery mew. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, a lot of listeners, you might have to see Batman vs. Superman to really appreciate the synopsis, I think. It's is Lex
2: Luthor from that, you see. Yeah. They saw the trailer. <laughs> Kaplan's all. Isla Fisher's knocked up with Borat Jr. and still a little pissed about the piranha bite, so just pretend my hair's red. As he tightens her knot, she's all. Here, I'll psychoanalyze you by staring at your body language. You're annoyed that you recently got Lex Luthor and the Joker
3: mixed up, but you like the <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's not what he did, though, right? But you like getting compliments for your work in Youth and Revolt, especially the scenes in drag. Your character's encounter with Amber Heard in Zombie Land was similar to Depp's. Now, if you'll excuse me, he looks down and finds himself sawn in half. He's all damn it. When he looks up, she's hiding behind a couch. Meanwhile, James Franco's teaching Woody Harrelson how to throw playing cards at a car. Harrelson's all. By the way, I have an evil twin brother who titters a lot. Franco's all great now i'm seventh build suddenly eisenberg appears in a flash of gas <laughs> always the seventh suddenly eisenberg appears in a flash of gas he's all did someone say magic Hoo-hoo. he pulls off a mask to reveal he's really lizzie kaplan she's all hi guess what i'm the new girl horse None of you get to say. And now for my next trick, an old fan favorite. She walks behind a curtain and explodes.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> Kelly Wanda, I'm already glad I saw Now You See Me Too.
2: See? Thank you. I knew I knew that. Thank you, Kelly. <laughs> I knew that was gold. The rest of them look down and dispiritedly find they're all handcuffed to Mark Ruffalo. He's all, now that I'm almost done screwing around, boys, the eye says the plot this time is about exposing Harry Potter. His company's called Okta, which means eight in every language except English. He's a billionaire for making computer chip playing card that spies on people. Franco's all. Sounds like a real. Harrelson's all. Need adventure? When do we? Eisenberg's all. Get started. They all look at Kaplan expectantly. She scowls back at all of them and goes, uh, question mark? Somewhat to my confusion, before taking on the caper, they all decide to take menial jobs at a hotel. <laughs> I thought this was where the movie wandered a little (laughs) I would have cut this part (laughs) Whatever (laughs) You're the director Franco's new occupation is confiscating bananas at a security metal detector Eisenberg becomes a waiter Then uses magic to change his outfit from a waiter's to a waiter wearing sunglasses Good boy. Meanwhile, in the kitchen, Kaplan causes a minor stir in a chef's hat by cutting her arm off. (laughs) Meanwhile, Woody Harrelson walks up to a man in a suit standing on a dark stage, taps him on the forehead, puts an earbud in his ear and goes, Hi, I'm Woody Harrelson. Now, when you go on stage, you'll say whatever I say into this here microphone. The guy's all, we are on stage. Woody turns and realizes they're standing on stage in front of a packed auditorium. He's all, shit, and scurries out of view. He begins whispering into the microphone as the guy on stage blinks sluggishly, crosses his eyes, and goes, hello, can you hear me? Woody Harrelson here performing a microphone check. Wait, don't say that. Shit. Okay, uh, I mean, Woody Harrelson is making me say all this. I mean, isn't making me. I'm saying it. The guy in the suit on stage. Not me, Woody Harrelson. Wait, stop saying what I'm saying. For a second. Fuck. I command you to not repeat. God damn it. (gasps) Um, okay, I'm not Woody Harrelson making you say this. You do not hear me right now. I do not hear me right now. Shit. I think I just hypnotized myself. Feeling a little woozy here. Woody Harrelson topples into view from behind the curtain, snoring violently. (laughs) That's how good he is at it. A deaf person sitting in the front row stands up excitedly and makes a brushing motion across her left palm. A subtitle's all, nice. <laughs> Meanwhile, a kitchen full of extras stare without interest at Kaplan's bleeding arm stump while she's all, Jesus, what a gruesome diversion, huh? Okay, nobody called the paramedics. I quit, by the way. Food preparation doesn't seem to be my middle name after all, huh? As she walks out, she slips on a puddle of her blood, and the electric knife she's holding accidentally cuts her leg off. When the crowd looks down, they're all handcuffed to rabbits. Someone near the back does a slow clap and handcuffs while the rabbit farts. One man's CG RoboCop 2-head, suddenly possesses some nearby computer monitors and goes, Mark Ruffalo's a magician and James Franco's alive. The crowd screams and makes a panic dash for the exit. Fandy Newton walks up to Ruffalo, snaps handcuffs on him, and goes, You're under arrest for being referenced verbally by that computer virus. And y'all can't get away, neither, because I just cuffed you. Not even a magician has an answer for handcuffs. Ruffalo's all, Oh, don't I? Look down. They both look down. His hands have turned into handcuffs. He's all, Damn it! Meanwhile, on a rooftop, Eisenberg's all, Hickory Dickory Dee! I guess my bladder's full of... Harrelson's all, Imbeciles! Now let's jump down these laundry, Frank goes all, chutes. They all look at Kaplan. She scowls at them and goes, period. <laughs> they all jump into a laundry chute, which somehow deposits them into three laundry baskets positioned side by side beneath three chutes. Suddenly they realize they're in a Chinese hotel room. Woody Harrelson's brunette twin with teeth cackles at them and goes, looks like the other shoes on the... Wait, I mean, Harry Potter's all, Enough! I suppose you're all wondering how I tricked you into teleporting to China. The answer's so simple, a fool could have said all this. Behold. He shows them a flashback of them all jumping into the laundry chute again, then the camera panning over to another chute right next to it that doesn't lead to China. Eisenberg's all. Hoo-hee, Schmite. Franco's all. Too bad we didn't, Harrelson's all. Look a few inches over to the right. They all look at Kaplan. She scowls and goes, Period. Do I have to fucking go last every time? Frank was all, wait, quick, tell us something that happened a year ago. Harrelson's twin's all, well, the movie makes us watch a flashback of Harrelson's evil twin delivering normal Harrelson a pizza a year ago that says sleep on the box lid. It puts him into a coma for a year. Present day Harrelson's all, damn, knew I should have just ordered mushrooms. Kaplan's all, period. Evil Woody's all, nice Cat and Mousky with you, broski. In response, Woody angrily pokes himself in both eyes with his middle fingers. Harry Potter's all, now you four idiots have two choices. Either steal a playing card and replace it with a computer chip, or I'll give you an ultimatum. His beard grows menacingly. Everyone tells him to fuck off except for Eisenberg, so they all have to do it. <laughs> Meanwhile, in prison, Morgan Freeman's all, well, well, Mark Ruffalo. This is a surprise. Ruffles all, look, Morgan, I can't believe we're in another of these either. But if we don't work together and try to make it through a whole scene without a plot twist, I don't know if I can take it anymore. <laughs> Morgan Freeman's all, I auditioned to play the president I'm in Armageddon. But Michael Bay preferred Wahlberg. So I was in Deep Impact. <laughs> and like Alice... When she got to Oz, the only way through this is stupid. Ruffalo looks down and finds himself not handcuffed. He's all, damn it! Meanwhile, as they polish their wands and load hats into their rabbits, Kaplan's all, hey, Franco, have sex with me. Eisenberg keeps tittering gibberish every time I try to kiss him. Franco's all, sorry, Liz, whoever I sleep with gets their wallet stolen. It's like herpes. Now get ready to pose as a famous computer scientist. She's all, period, and pops gum into her mouth. That's my cat litter robot in the background, by the way. You can hear it turning over on the gimbal. You hear that? They bust into Chinese NASA. While they all take turns feigning farting attacks to distract the guards, Franco exchanges a computer's microprocessor for a playing card. The computer doesn't notice the difference. Afterwards, <laughs> they do some Harlem Globetrotters routines with the playing card in front of the guards. Who see the card fine. I am, but courteously indulge their guests by pretending not to. <laughs> God, that went on forever. <laughs> Afterwards, Ruffalo and Freeman rummage through an old Chinese woman's garbage. Ruffalo's all, Jesus, I haven't been given this little to work with since Carell's Nose and Foxcatcher. Wait, did we teleport here too? I think my script was missing a few pages. An Asian woman comes out, points a crooked finger at them, and goes, I don't speak English in this yet, white man! <laughs> God,
1: just a matter of time.
2: <laughs> I think as if the movie's racist, I get to do it. <laughs> That's the rule. She points vaguely at stuff and wanders off farting. Ruffalo smirks at Freeman and goes, She must be familiar with your act. Morgan Freeman's all, I played God in most of my movies, but the one I get the most email about is lucky number Slevin. A sequel to Seven. He walks into a mummy case and shuts the door. Ruffalo's all, wait, I thought Dreamcatcher was. He opens the mummy case and finds a note that says I've moved. Ruffalo, (laughs) damn it. He shouts, well, guess what, Morgan, wherever you are, look down at your hands, buddy. I just handcuffed you. He looks down to find himself handcuffed to Morgan Freeman's severed hand. He's all, damn it. Suddenly, a guy throws a towel over him. When he comes to, he's on a boat. On the hull, some words are all the Michael Ain. Kane leans over him, his is trembling menacingly. Well, Master Ruffalo, it seems you picked the wrong insurance salesman to humiliate on national television using a French bacon teleportation scheme. Where's bald my uncle? Harry Potter leans in and goes, I'm also in this scene. Woody Harrelson's all, looks like we got a live one here, boys. Ruffalo's all, wait, are you the twin? Harrelson's all, "Uh," looks nervously at us, ducks out of sight for a second, and resources with a brunette toupee and capped lower teeth covering his upper teeth. Then he's all, "Uh,
0: hooey, boys,
2: we got a live one here. His real teeth fall out. (laughs) <laughs> ruffalo's all well those are all speeches but i think you three jerk offs forgot one slight detail when you handcuffed me to this chair i'm a magician they all look down now he's handcuffed to ten chairs ruffalo's all damn it kane kicks ruffalo and his chairs into the ocean to drown and wipes his hands let that be a lesson to all police officers posing as magicians that model ain't doesn't tolerate chairs Harry Potter's all. Now for the next part of our exquisite master plan, to care where Eisenberg and Harrelson and Kaplan and Franco are. They look down to see Eisenberg and the rest in a boat hauling Ruffalo aboard and paddling off. Kane shakes his fist after them and shouts, "You'll outsmart us again!" In the boat, Eisenberg's all, did em dot shoo. wad em shoe. Harrelson's all, The kid's right. We need to stage a magic show and replace that playing card with a computer chip for who knows how long this movie could last. He realizes he's still wearing the wig and ducks out of sight for a second, then pops back into view with the cap teeth on his head and the wig stuck in his throat. He ducks again, choking. Franco's all, But more importantly, we're all here. And that's a Harrelson chokes, A sack full of something. Eisenberg's all, Period. They all look at Kaplan. She glares at them one by one. Suddenly, the Asian woman's in the boat with them. She's all, Do you know why the fool is everyone's favorite tarot card after three of pentacles, white man? (laughs) Seriously, I'm asking. Please tell me. I look over at Doug Henning sitting beside me. I (laughs) go... Ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted to tell you that the coolest thing I ever saw on television during the 70s was when Yogi Kudu squatted inside that cube. I could really relate. Meanwhile, Franco walks up to an already gathered crowd on a street corner and goes, Hello, I'm person James Franco, and I'm alive, by the way. If you're a loved one of the corpse I desecrated to fake my death in an exploding car in the last movie, my congratulations. The crowd laughs and claps. He's all, you've heard of three-card Monty. The reason it's my favorite card game is it's not just because it's the only one I know the rules to. It's because you can never win. Allow me to demonstrate. He snaps his fingers. Three people near the back turn into playing cards. <laughs> an old man <laughs> an old man begins sobbing and hugging the one on the right. Mabel, God, forgive me. I prefer you this way. Frank was all, don't worry, sir. there's a 30% chance she's alive. I'll let you know after the show. The crowd cheers and starts dancing. In a monitor room, a picture of Franco's face reaches ninety seven point four percent. A tech's all Inspector Blackgirl, look. Fanny Newton stares at the percentile. Symbol.
3: <laughs>
2: I had to look her name up when who did it. Tiny shoes, Sandy Newton. Fanny Newton stares the percentile symbol. Her lip curls in a Botox related sneer. She's all magic. Let's move. Elsewhere, Kaplan's standing in front of a different street crowd. She points and goes, look, that guy has a duck in his pants. That's disgusting, huh? <laughs> the crowd laughs and vomits and hurls chunks of bread crust at the man's pants. <laughs> and now to start my magic show, she takes out a deck of cards and sprays them everywhere. She's all, thank you, thank you. Now, you've all seen women sawn in half before, but have you ever seen two women glued together? She snaps her fingers and points to a picture of some Siamese twins. Thank you. Thank you. Now to see if I can saw a pigeon in half. Meanwhile, in Berlin, to a third crowd, Eisenberg's saw. I may have lost out to Evan Peters, Brexman, but I'm about to control her. <laughs> he snaps his fingers. A giant fan behind him starts blowing garbage everywhere. A woman screams. Meanwhile, Kaplan's saw blade gets stuck in the pigeon. The crowd shifts restlessly and begins muttering with dread. She's all shut up. I can do it. There's a motorcycle chase. Eventually, in a
3: warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, in a
2: warehouse. Eisenberg's all heedly heedly he. Wee Harrelson now in a red wig and with a third eye on his forehead's all made it to this where Franco's all house. Rough all, my name's Liz Kaplan. They all look at Kaplan. <laughs> the box next to her pulls off its face, revealing Harry Potter. He waves a hand at... Th- a hand? He waves a wand at them. <laughs> right, everybody get aboard my airplane or I'll make you explain your character. Hastily, they all race on board the plane. It taxis for a while, then visibly takes off from the runway. Everybody aboard feels the sinking in their guts as they rapidly ascend thousands of feet, followed by the change in air quality signifying depressurization of the cabin. These are all things we know. (laughs) Michael Caine opens a safe, only he knows the combination, to, and takes out a bottle he's well familiar with. He's all, this bottle of champagne's worth a billion dollars. Now throw them all out. Liz Kaplan screams as the Harrelson twins struggle with each other's wigs and Harry Potter's goons. (laughs) (laughs) See, they both... and toss each character just screaming out into the night sky, watching as they look down as the characters fall and splat thousands of feet below in sight of people just out of the plane. Wilson <laughs> shuts the door and goes, "Who wee I sure hope I'm the right one. Michael Caine raises the pea-colored champagne in his glass to Harry Potter and goes, to whatever our goals in this are. <laughs> Outside, Isaac knocks on a window and titters at them triumphantly. <laughs> Suddenly, the stratosphere outside the plane turns into a cheering audience on a movie set surrounding the plane-shaped gimbal with the baffled villains inside it staring out. (laughs) Franco comes on stage. and goes, thank you. The attempted murders on a plane you thousands of people were just witnessing in bored silence was really us shooting an anti-climax for a sequel to a movie about a group of interchangeable professional entertainers. The crowd starts cheering. One points at the plane and goes, I sense Michael Caine's making a humiliated expression inside. The crowd cheers again and starts throwing their wallets at Franco and Eisenberg and Harrelson and Ruffalo, but not Kaplan. (laughs) Franco's all, we suppose you're wondering, Eisenberg's all, how we got you all here at just
3: a moment.
2: Ruffalo's all, and kept the bad guys from noticing all of you. Harrelson's all, or the fact that this isn't an airport they were walking through. As Kaplan's about to talk, Blake Lively steps in front of her and goes, and how my character replaces Liz Kaplan in the third movie. (laughs) The crowd cheers as Kane, Harry Potter, and both Harrelsons are arrested for being confused. As Sandy Newton lowers her gun, Ruffalo throws her the playing card, startling her to accidentally shooting an audience member. She's all, wait, but when she looks up, Ruffalo's already tiptoeing away. They all go to see the Asian woman to celebrate. Inside the mansion, Ruffalo sees a picture of himself dressed as Louis XIII on a wall and goes,
1: Damn!
2: Freeman, dressed as Whistler's mother, stands up and steps out of another painting. He's all, By the way, my character's actually someone else's father. Ruffalo's all, Why didn't you just say so before the end of the movie? Who even cares? Freeman shrugs, then he's all, pay no attention to the curtain. He slides a curtain in front of himself, and we hear him cursing as he falls downstairs behind it for minutes on end. The other characters follow and look down some stairs that I guess vaguely resemble an eye's pupil in a certain light, depending on the camera placement, if pupils were white. While Morgan's voice is all, and that's what just happened, or did it? I look down, find myself handcuffed to Princess Leia, sigh, then look over at Christian Banks sitting beside me and go Wait, so the illusionist was the one with Beal? The end. Ah, uh,
1: very good.
0: I honestly <sighs> never thought I would be glad I saw it now. You see me too.
1: Yeah, yeah, no I am. You you've made it worthwhile, thank you. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
0: Kelly, have you seen the original? Do you know the original at all? I watched it right before I watched this one, and I kind of liked
2: it. And yeah. I think the, the second one's weak, and then it's just its boring and shitty and nothing happens. Well, now. let's and talk let-
0: about the original briefly. It was a different director, Louis let- no, Leterrier, Leterrier. Yeah. Uh, who's done, I think, Transporter movies, and he did a Hulk, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Dingus, you saw the original uh, as well. We've all seen the original. Now uh, so so Kelly- he's really like two Banners, Bruce Banners. Because he has Ruffalo,
2: too.
0: Wait, who's the other Bruce Banner? Ed Norton. Wasn't but that his Hulk? Not... Yeah, but he's... An... Oh, oh, I thought oh, you were well, saying there were two Bruce Banners yeah, and Now You See Me. Right. No, there's two Right <laughs> now, now You See Me, too. There's only that one was now you inspired, see by the way. Uh, so, that... Dang, so, what did you think of the first one? Why did you see it?
1: Uh, I've seen it a couple of times. Um, I saw it because my... Uh, my kid's mom was going to take my kid to see Now You See Me Too, so she, she asked me to watch Now You See Me with my kid, uh, so he would be prepared for that movie viewing. And I saw it before just to, to watch it, so I've seen it. Uh, I've seen it now three times actually.
0: All right, so you'll be our source material expert
1: on this. That's things. great. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of it, except oh. having seen this movie. Now I am. The first uh, one's fun though. Like, yeah, I fun, agree with So this
0: one actually made me like the first one less, I think, just because this one is so bad. But oh, I'm with I, Kelly in that I think the first one has a lot of energy. If yeah. there's one thing that Louis Leterrier can, can do, and he does in the first one, uh I think he appreciates the star power he's got. There's a real mm-hmm. sense of giving the different characters their due and there's this playfulness with the puzzle element of the structure. Uh I just feel like the first one, if you just look at it as someone appreciating the various cast members star power uh I, th- I think it's a well executed <clears throat> kind of dopey thriller, uh, but part of the reason it works is because you don't really know the characters
2: that well, so you don't know what's going on. And it's a, right. It's kind of a twisty movie, but then by the end of the movie, you do know them, so then to start another movie with ruffle like them being in over
0: their heads, it's like it doesn't feel right. Well, and it's an interesting mix, too, I, I think. Like uh, Ilsa Fisher, <clears throat> Woody Harrelson, uh, Dave Franco is the, the, you know, appropriately seventh build fella, but, uh, and Jesse Eisenberg, just as a team, that's just like a weird mix. I mean, they're yeah. all good at what they're doing. Uh, and, and Leterrier, too, has this appreciation for the the vagus glitz that this sort of magic act represents. Uh, the cheesiness of it, the the silly spectacle, the contrivance of it, even the stage banter, which is kind of insufferable, in a, in a way, like stage banter is mm-hmm. so ridiculous, but it it works in that first movie, I think. Because um, it's part of their jobs, and right. so they're just good at it. But in this, they all have it, – it's.
2: But in, I remember in the first one, their skill sets were more defined, and right. Witty Harrelson could like do a certain thing. But in this, they're all doing each other's stuff, and they all do that thing with the playing card. Like They all have the exact same skill, and you get to see them each do it one by one, the same fucking shtick.
0: It's yeah, just a and, really and that's, that's part two of the, the- – the conceit of the first one is they're different they're different kinds of characters yeah. who have different sorts of things and they're an unlikely band at first when they come together and the whole mystery of okay why are we jumping to a year ahead they know things that we as the audience don't know even though we know the characters. Uh, you know, it's got its share of silly moments. Like I the whole goofiness of the hypnotized people doing the the violin like that's just embarrassingly bad when that's supposed to be, I think, yeah. a joke. But on the whole, I do like the the first one quite a bit. Dingus, I don't think you're supposed to see it three times, though, so no wonder you're not into it.
1: That's bullshit. Yeah, if you know what's
0: going to happen. Really? Hmm. What did he say?
2: Wait, it's what? That's bullshit. Which part? You don't need to see it three
0: times?
1: I just wanted to see if you guys would start playing violin if I said that.
0: Oh, that was their trigger words. Oh, see? They want to, write. right. Uh, no, Digital. I, okay. I just think it's, I think it's horribly
1: over-directed. It drives me crazy how much the camera's moving. You can't have a, you can't have a scene between two people unless the camera goes around them 15 times. Um, all that stuff drives me absolutely nuts.
0: Do you know the transporter movie. movies, by the way? Like, have you seen Leterrier's
1: stuff? Sure. I've seen all the transporter movies. I mean, we all have because we had to, got to. I don't think out. you guys
0: saw the last like one, the Ed of Extinction. You guys did not see the Ed Skane one. I don't think you're allowed to say you've seen all of them until you've seen the Ed Skein one. Thing.
1: I don't even know what you're talking about. I so Ed, Ed Skane, who was, was the, the
0: villain out. in Deadpool, was in the last Transporter movie that they did without Jason Statham. So it, it, it's moved on beyond oh, Transporter. Statham. I thought, you, I thought you kept saying Transformer movies. No, those are Michael baden as you know. Oh, that's right. I, I get
1: them confused. But I just think that he doesn't know how to lock the camera down. And I think – I mean there there is sort of a thematic quality to that, to that whole like look over here, don't look over here, That the magician idea that they're doing in that first movie. And I think there is a lot – There, there's plenty to commend that first movie. For me, especially after saying this, um, because one of the really frustrating things about watching this movie is is how, and this is something that, I, you know, I saw the movie with, with our friend Alexandra, um, made a real point about is that these people who are supposed to be so cerebral in this idea of, of using magic and illusion and and how these things work in the physical world, uh, so much of it gets reduced to now we're going to have to make these characters who have, have who have a certain skill set they just have to be able to punch people and drive cars or motorcycles real fast and yeah. just having to constantly punch people but that that scene in the first movie where david franco is uh is having to escape mark ruffalo oh and michael, and
0: michael kelly. kelly i missed
1: michael kelly too yeah. yeah. we didn't get michael that. kelly yeah yeah, yeah. any stamper that, that, that particular fight that that fight in that apartment where he's going all over the apartment and he puts, you know, like he he's doing that whole thing with with people with with cloth and and people's jackets over their heads and putting Michael Kelly's the, the sleeves of his jacket down the, the disposal just to trap him with his gun, like,
0: like he's got his gun out yeah. too. He's got his gun yeah. pinned back there. It's a cool exactly. moment. Yeah. Yeah. but he's, he's
2: gaming him is the better and thing. And, and
1: he's throwing the cards, like, which is his trick, throwing the cards at Mark Ruffalo, which which. Uh, Uh, scars his face, which is uh, uh, a cut that he has on his face for the rest of the movie, and then he runs out into that ridiculous car chase. I liked all of that, but what I hated about the movie that we're doing – Right now, the Now You See Me Too is how so much of it is just let's punch and punch and punch and punch and punch and punch and punch when these aren't punching people. These are people who should be able to think themselves out of situations we and have, we should be able to see these
0: things. And The script and, is terrible if, in this. Yeah, it has no awareness uh, of that stuff you're talking about. I think. It's absolutely right. – uh, you know, when we get to that, that marketplace scene with uh, Mark Ruffalo doing all these martial arts gimmick stuff – it is. Lo- it's become a Jackie Chan movie that doesn't yeah. have Jackie Chan and has no idea what to do with his characters. Right. Uh, there's a moment too where, when Jesse Eisenberg is talking to the, to the Chinese woman at the, the, the magic shop, and he talks to her slowly and does the gesture with his hand so that she can make fun of him. This Jesse Eisenberg's character is supposed to be super smart, right. and they're just playing him for a joke because this the this, this script has no idea of what this character is or who he is or how to play with him or what his character traits are. All of that was well-established in the first movie, and they're just going to make him this dumb white guy just for the convenience of a joke, even though he's supposed to be keenly intelligent and shrewd. Uh, and it does that kind of thing. And yeah, that's by the way, is
1: there, is there nobody
0: in the audience who doesn't know at that moment that she can speak English, and that's going to be a gag later in the movie? I was pretty sure that was going to happen. I mean, was going to happen. I, yeah, but I didn't know, though, and this is what another thing that kind of bothers me, is that like the end of the first movie, I think you're supposed to think that – the eye accepts them and they become part of this inner cabal of of magicians. And then the, the movie just resets that at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, it basically reloads. Right, exactly. It's just a reload, and then we get to the end, and now the eye is almost literally an ancient Chinese secret. Really? I mean, God, that is so <laughs> wow. weak.
2: It just gives them missions and assignments, and yeah. they still don't know anything. So yeah. Hard. Uh, and the way, and I, I knew we were in trouble the second Kaplan showed up. Like not necessarily because she's bad per se, although I don't think she's good. But like her, the explanation for her character, and like oh, have to like that's all you're going to give to that, like. The whole plot of the first movie is that they were four specific people who'd been chosen. Like, you can't just, like, switch in another girl. Why did Isla Fitcher not do this? Is it because she was pregnant? Because she was pregnant, yeah. And she, oh. and I know she did actually almost drown when she was doing the piranha scene. So oh, she Jesus. Are you serious? Them. Oh, wow. Yeah. You, and then it's like her chain was stuck, and she was gesturing in panic. But it was, it was kind of like Jaws when they broke
0: uh, – what's her name's legs?
1: No, legs. they can't, that's can't that's be Jaws. The
0: Isla Fisher one's definitely true. Wait, hold that thought. What are you talking about? Jaws, where they broke what's her name's legs? What is that? When they were yanking. Uh, the stunt woman roller? who plays Chrissy Watkins. Yeah, yeah. They got
2: the the divers got their signals crossed, and like they they hurt her. They injured her when she. They were yanking her.
0: That literally broke her legs. Really. That's what the Universal Studios tour guide told me when I was a kid, so I need not perpetuate that myth, oh, but okay. I,
2: but something happened.
0: Well, I think I, – the one I think of is Ed Harris talking about doing The Abyss with James Cameron where they fill up his right. suit with, with water and how right. he had a couple of harrowing moments there, but I didn't right. know that uh, – yeah, that, that – And she was gesturing, hey, wait a minute. Something's wrong, but since her character was supposed to be doing
2: that –
1: They didn't have they a safe didn't. word. Honestly, they didn't have some way that she could – I seems don't know. Impossible. That seems like one of those Indiana Jones shoots because he's because he has diarrhea things because there the, there is so much safety on a movie set that there's no other way they would be able to convey. But if
2: it's really her and she's not trained for no,
1: that She doesn't have some some sort of way to to like put up the number one or flip somebody off.
0: You I think sick, Kelly Wand is just telling you what he heard from Universal Tour Guide. All right. Very good. Very good, <laughs> very good point. But I – okay, so – Let's talk about Lizzie Kaplan then because uh, I didn't I, – I that is kind of odd. It's conspicuous that Isla Fisher isn't there, and we get yeah. that weird explanation, which, by the way, makes me think, well, Michael Caine, if you're so pissed, aren't you supposed to be going after Henley as well? Like, why yeah. didn't you he track her right. down
1: too? Right. Uh, there's that but, whole thing on the plane where he's like, well, I don't think we have to go through the formalities. Well, you do because you don't know her, dumbass.
0: Right, right, exactly. Why are you yeah, – this woman uh, didn't do anything to you.
2: <laughs> at least you just have a line about it. But you just—we're just supposed to go. Oh, it's the
0: new—I don't know. Well, let's talk and, about Lizzie Isla Kaplan, Fisher's so-
1: character. Just let—you know—the eyes just going to let her
0: go. Nobody, you know, yeah, she's fine. Right, right, right. She's out. Up. Yeah, yeah. Once, yeah, she's she's just she quitting, so she's out. They don't need she's her. Not anymore. like the mob. She can just leave. So, yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, well, Kellyanne, why didn't you like her? What was your problem with Liz, Lizzie Kaplan? Let's talk about her. Well, I just
2: prefer Isla Fisher. Okay. Like her character more and. I don't know. She just
0: and I was a little unclear on what her skill set was compared to the rest of them. <laughs> it looked like it was supposed to be. It, it, to me, I'm guessing it got lost in the PG-13ness of this. It was supposed to be like fake gore, is what I was thinking. Like, right. She's supposed to cut her, her hand as her arm as a chef. Like I'm guessing at one point in the script, maybe that was like that bit with Dan Aykroyd playing. Uh, uh, what's the chef's name? Julian Child. Juliet, wait, what's her Julia name? Child. Julia, Julia Child. Julia Child. Right. Like I'm guessing it was supposed to be some super gory bit that because it's PG-13 they cut. But I think that's maybe... So they gave her a
2: skill set that they can't show. In the maybe. A <laughs> <I don't> cinematic <laughs> experience. I mean, usually. I'm just
0: wondering, was there ever a point that the script had any sort of idea that okay these characters do this like the first whenever one. whenever they do something like that they order they try to trim it they always like make it
2: stupider because they they leave the they leave the concept in so you're still it's still like a, the part that you shouldn't see or like the kids would still go wait her arm just got cut off but then they they step all over the joke so it doesn't work go, see it's yeah. trimmed down right so it's
0: like shittier than if they just done nothing well, what uh, thing is you you take issue but with Kelly Wan not liking Lizzie Kaplan? What, what did you think about her in this?
1: I really she's... liked her. I thought she was. I thought she added a lot of energy and weirdness to it. I I totally agree with you guys that she's her skill set is poorly written. I don't really get what. And and she kind of makes fun of that at the beginning by saying I'm the woman woohoo uh, you know that whole like I'm just I'm the chick who's supposed to be here and I'm supposed to be the bimbo which then they make fun of which again you see coming although I thought it was going to be a gay joke not going to be a, a mimbo joke um, uh, but I, I don't I don't think she's particularly suited for this role I, although she's I cast I, I like her a lot um, I I guess. I guess mainly, Tom, what I'm doing is just saying that I like the actress so much that I'm willing to forgive it's however dumb. however terrible the writing is around her character. And, and I totally don't get what the hell is going on between her and David Franco. Oh, I my God.
0: That was so forced, yeah. wasn't yeah. it? It we was just get unfortunate. Get yeah, that was terrible, wasn't it? Yeah, are they uh, serious?
1: That whole I'm not sure. like other girls and here's all the stuff I stole from you and now I'm, now he's going to fall in love with her and something else is going to go on. But we're not going to show you any of the interstitial stuff. We're just going to. Let you believe that that's what's happening. The that's where
0: no. That sting is where I thought the joke was going to be that he was gay. Like I was like, okay, that would yeah. be cute. Like make him gay and he's not interested in her. That, uh, but, it's already a yeah, that already in Neighbors.
1: Yeah, but that's a Neighbors joke. Yeah, that's a dicks in her hands he can joke. Speak
0: so. every movie.
1: But uh, but I thought that, that that's what the whole like that whole joke about uh, who's going to be the bimbo and I thought it was going to be you know David Franco's is going to be one of their one of the dudes bimbos. Um, but then it just doesn't turn out to be that way, and she still I mean, has to be in place? a in demeaning clothes and all of that. Demeaning? I
0: she looks awesome in that. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh no, she
1: she looks awesome in that, but the dudes don't have to dress like that. I mean,
0: what? What? The thing is, the cast in the movie for that,
2: like, we need a girl. Here she comes.
1: Yeah, but you you remember in the in the first, in now you see me. I mean, that's that's kind of the thing with. With the female magician, I mean, when she's when uh, Isla Fisher's about to do the the trick, she's ripping off her clothes and and before she drops into the tank. I mean, male magicians don't have to do that kind of crap. Well,
0: that, they, they don't get out right of because they're not. What, do you want male magicians to be like a Chippendales act or something? Of course not. That's yeah, not that's sort, the sort of the, the, the point. I'm making.
1: That is of, the point I'm making. Thank you for helping me make it. That men should dress like Chippendales.
0: No, that acts, don't they don't have magic. to. Well, that's, that's not what's being sold. What, what's the ma- thing is? <laughs> that's the point, Tom. You just made my point. They don't have to. I'm and- not making your point. I think your point is ridiculous. Like this, well, you're objecting to a woman. You're You've objecting to a woman wearing a pretty dress. Whereas for for the the standards of like a man in that situation, is he wears a nice suit. Like that sort of presentation, that glitzy presentation, is a woman wears a pretty dress. A man wears a nice suit. You're wanting the man to to dress like a Chippendales act.
1: No, I'm not wanting that. I'm telling you that's what a woman has to do. A woman has to slip off her bra and say, look up here. I mean, that's the joke. That's, you're making my point. The, the men don't have to do that.
0: The but it's
2: magic, so you need to distract the audience. You need Lord, a pretty girl in a dress.
0: So there's a reason for it. Well, you're, you're say, you're, you say it's demeaning to her. Why is that demeaning to her that if she, she looks good I, in that black dress? Mm-hmm.
1: Because she's slipping off her bra because she's in the bimbo outfit because she's dressed as the bimbo. She's She's dressed as the bimbo. That's what they're doing with her, and she's like, well, I guess I have to be the bimbo. That's – good lord. I mean that's what I'm saying. But the joke is – Yeah, you were
0: saying her dress was demeaning, which is what I don't understand. If you want to say the role that – if you want to say her having to pretend to be a bimbo is demeaning, I mean that's part – that's just a a script playing on a a stupid cliché. He's I mean, saying that the Egyptians you don't
2: have to show skin, so it's misogynist. I think that's what he's saying. Right.
0: I guess. I guess it is. Weird. But I'm I don't.
1: If I, that's what they're playing on. But then they they go the other way with it. But she still has to to go through those. She still has to jump through those hoops for the audience, for the actual movie audience.
0: Well, it's a plot point too. Like she's yeah. She still has to do that. I don't. I still don't understand what your problem is with it, though. But so I. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Uh, what? go ahead sorry nothing no go ahead moving on uh so uh yeah i i i would be curious who you, like i think the problem with that is it's just so poorly written her whole part yeah. uh, and to her credit though she's really trying which is what i liked her the, for okay. me uh, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. like you you're saying it's demeaning that she has to wear that dress thing is i would point to the problem with what what this movie how this movie is demeaning to her is is exemplified in that elevator scene where the joke is that everyone is ignoring her and doesn't like her and they're all just sitting there impassive, looking bored, uninterested, not really trying and she's actually being energetic and trying to sell this joke and trying to be funny and the movie – Wants to make a joke out of the fact that nobody likes her, that nobody wants to get her joke, that David Franco is not attracted to her. Like, she's the only actor here who I feel isn't kind of like bored and befuddled and a little mystified that a sequel is being made. Uh, <laughs> she's just so energetic and invested and just really trying. She's really trying hard to sell this stuff, and it's unsellable. I mean, it's horrible stuff, uh, and it's an unenviable part. You say it's miscasting us, yeah. but I don't know who would do it. Like who could handle the crappy material they're giving her any better? She's just trying so hard to sell it. So that elevator scene to me is the whole, the whole problem with Lizzie Kaplan in, in a nutshell is, by golly, this actress is at least giving it 110 percent, and nobody else can be bothered to do that. And I just found that, and it's a characteristic of every scene. you know, like you said that whole thing, hey, I'm the girl horseman, we, and they're all supposed to just be put out with her. She's like charming and funny and cute, and she's a, the movie thinks she's annoying. Uh, and that just makes no sense to me.
1: Uh, well, the movie – I don't think the movie understands how to make uh, the, the characters self-obsessed without making them bored because all, all of these guys are, are narcissistic. Um, all, of the, all of them are – I mean that's one of they were that,
2: charmingly that, so in the first
1: yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's but, but this particular script doesn't understand how to allow them to be narcissistic
0: without turning us
1: off, and they constantly turn us off.
0: And even the whole problem with, you know, part of the appeal of Mark Ruffalo in the first one was him being the constantly baffled guy who's defeated at right, every turn. Right. Like, that was a cute put upon character. And when they turn that around at the end, it's like, oh, that's kind of clever. Um, yeah. but he was consistent throughout it. And you know, that's the role he's going to play. Right. He's the put upon dupe. And it's consistent throughout. And every little beat, you're like, okay, how are they going to trick him this time? Uh, and to now have him as like the mastermind, still a cop. Like when they first flashed to him in the cop station, I was like, wait, what? Why yeah, is he I, going I, back I to pretending totally to be a cop? totally
2: confused by yeah. yeah. Why would he. So he likes
0: being a cop? Yeah, and they, they <laughs> kept playing that like it's the idea. I don't, I don't he know. He doesn't need that
1: anymore. Yeah. Uh, I think and I, also was, the I was first surprised, movie, frankly, that he was even in this.
2: They I mean, all use their powers for good, too. And in this, it's just their. I don't know.
0: Well, this whole idea, yeah, is that they're like Robin Hoods in this. and this, they're defending like like privacy, <laughs> like not your yeah. information uh, yeah. propagated I, over the internet. I, like <laughs> another movie
1: about it's privacy and stealing a thumb drive. I am going to fucking never stop screaming.
0: Because at right. least the first movie had this cool idea of uh, uh, rewarding like the people in New Orleans who would suffered from Katrina, yeah. giving them all this millionaires' money. Like that was right. a cool guy on television. Yeah, that was a cool, topical, interesting idea. Yeah, on television and tricking them and taking it from this bank and sticking it to an insurance company. Uh, and you just turn it now into you know, to go from a Vegas magic show to a tech launch of a product. Like right. <laughs> Oh my god, that's so your boring. centerpiece. That's what we're supposed to be. By.
1: A terrible MacGuffin. It's just mm-hmm. it's just but it's the modern MacGuffin of it's of the, a thumb drive Or a stick as they call it in this. I'm so tired of people going after a knock list, or a CD, or a, or a, or a, or a stick, or a thumb drive.
0: Well, it's the, it's the modern day like suitcase, isn't it? Like we don't really have curious things in suitcases. Papers aren't analog anymore. We don't traffic in real money, so it's got to be some little tech doodad. But you're right, I think it's, but it, the, it's, the, it's not uh, a spy movie. movie. They turn it; they, it's they're magicians. It is a heist movie, though. I would say. It's a heist and they have to chase some kind of McGuffin. Yeah, but
2: no one's watching them do most of their things. Right. And at the end like there's the reveal like oh they were watching us do it. Wait, were they watching you during doing your flim and the w- with the guards? Which, by the way, that would imply really bad planning on their part if they all had to individually toss the card to each other and be in the, those positions, like, for 20 minutes of screen time. That tether. was
0: insufferable, yeah. wasn't it? Like, yeah. just watching yeah, a it's... CG card while they stand in weird – oh my yeah, god, god, that oh, were gonna get caught?
2: caught. Like, oh, it's so suspenseful. I'm really worried one of them going to fuck it up.
1: Oh. Um, I'm actually really glad that you brought up that you brought up that it's supposed to be about magicians because I I really wanted to talk about this, and this is uh, in, in addition to me wanting to talk about it. This is something that one person who wrote in this week, uh, Chris Markinson, um, talked about that he really likes magic, um, and he says it's so cool when somebody with great skill does something and you are left wondering just how the heck they were able to do that. Uh, but he says there's no su- a suspension of disbelief for me in this movie because I just naturally assume that it's all CG yeah. and that there's no real skill except maybe when Dave Franco is flipping the card from the front to the back of his hand. Um,
0: even but, that, though, could be CG. Like, i mean, at yeah. a certain point. I'm like, eh, did he really do that or did he CG that in? But there's no spectacle even. Like,
2: in the first one, there were huge set pieces. Like, even their throwaway things, like piranhas in the tank and all that, just establishing the characters. Like, oh, that was pretty lustrous. Yeah. But, and there was a well, lot she, lot of stuff on stage.
1: Even the stuff in that first movie where she's suspended in the, in the bubble that, right. that Jesse Eisenberg makes. Yeah, and, that's and great. Uh, all that stuff that's very like sort of uh, cirque du soleil kind of thing they, they you can imagine how they they did it if you want to imagine it um but my question for you guys is that how do you feel about watching magic because for me I, I just have never gotten watching magic on tv or in movies i've never gotten it nice. i mean i've seen close up magic i've been to the magic castle i've seen you know, i've been sitting at a table and seen somebody do close up magic and and been wowed by it but i just cannot be wowed by magic In a movie, because I know what's going on in the movie, and if the movie can't be bothered to really anchor it in characters, I mean, the magic doesn't really matter to me because of the CG. I mean, how do you guys feel about that? I mean, just the idea. I mean, this movie is supposed to be anchored in magic, but
0: there's got to be no magic. Right. I I, I I like this concept. I mean, it's just – like I, feel, I do feel the concept is solid, but when you do something like that playing card scene – remember the, f- the first movie opens with Jesse Eisenberg in the mirror doing stuff with cards, and that could have been just CG'd as well, and I suspect either it was, they put his head on someone else's body, but that still looks cool to me. Because it was somebody's hands. It was cards. Even if it was cheated, it looked plausible. Like, hey, there are cool things you could be doing there. Um, but the moment even in the first movie – and Dingus, I'm glad you brought up that bit where she's in the bubble because obviously that's just wire work. But there's a moment in the first movie where she holds out a – Isla Fisher holds out a hat and it turns into a rabbit. And it's clearly – the just the other
1: way around actually.
0: A rabbit turns it right. And, and it's yeah. clearly they just swapped in – it. they did a CG trick. Yeah, it's implausible. It, yeah. There's no degree, there's no sense of, oh, it came out of her sleeve. Like once it stops doing anything plausible and it's clearly just reveling in the fact that we have a CG budget, then I lose interest. Uh but if it wants to be plausible and maybe do things that I think people could really do, uh, I'm okay with it. It's like like that fight with Dave Franco. All of that mm-hmm. stuff, I don't I don't doubt maybe they did some CG stuff like when the curtain gets thrown over him and he disappears in the same shot. Um but, yeah, there's a point where it goes too overboard, and this movie just kept going beyond that point where I didn't – I mean I'm, I'm with – I didn't care anything about the magic in this. Yeah. Uh, and, and that – yeah, because it just that, that surf scene was just so bad and implausible and ridiculous. No, there, the and, tricks
2: were good. They were bad tricks.
0: Yeah, it's just throw – somebody <laughs> makes a flicking wrist, and then they CG a card flying in some implausible trajectory, which yeah. CG, I don't care. I mean, the but, crowd seemed way
2: too easy on them. Like they should have been booing and like, what? you
0: even that rain gimmick where where we as a movie, oh my God. Player, we're watching the rain go up and down and at the end, he's like, ah, strobe lights. And like, okay, but everybody standing there felt the rain going in one direction. Yeah. Those, you know, you thought you were trick. This is supposed to be impressive because you were tricking me as a movie watcher. And yeah. it, it occurred to me that you were going to explain it away with, with, stro- with strobe lights. Um, that sleight of hand too, like that's his skill set?
2: Like, oh, he hit a fan somewhere. Right,
0: right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's, where, here's where the movie – I think this movie – and this is, this is a modern contemporary problem by the way. Uh, it's one of many ways that cell phones ruin movies. And, it, and the first movie does this I think a couple of times. Any time you want to find out something – like anytime somebody finds out something secret about somebody else, all you have to do is say, ah, we hacked your cell phone.
3: Right. Like,
0: like now previously you didn't have that, that to fall back on. Uh, but this whole silly idea that Harry Potter put a cell phone reader on that the lip of that fountain when Jesse Eisenberg in the first part of the movie, there he finds everything out. Like that is such a cheat based on having a cell phone. You can just – and in the first movie, they do this also by putting a I think a tracker in uh, Mark Ruffalo's phone or something at some point. yep So cell phones completely undermine any mystery. Like any movie you can get out of anything that is implausible. One character knows something about somebody else by saying – we hacked your cell phone. Right. <laughs> That's just so cheap. To- we heard Wait, in the
3: first one? But the tracker was there. okay. Yeah.
0: What would you say, Kelly?
2: I thought the tracker was all right in the first one because it's just a, it's just a bug on a phone.
0: Well, People no, but they that. also did a thing like how they knew – although now that I know that Ruffalo was in on everything, I'm actually second-guessing myself, but they did a thing about how they knew all the stuff that the police knew, and it wasn't just tracking Mark Ruffalo. But he wanted them to know, so you can kind of... Right, right, so now I'm thinking back, maybe the first movie didn't. But this movie definitely cheats where Harry Potter's like, hey, you want to know how I knew everything that was going on at all times? I hacked your cell phone. And you have a twin with pizza. (laughs) Well, the hypnotism, too, is another thing, actually. Like, in the first one... Oh, it did actually. I was going to say, wasn't the hypnotism a gag? But early on, they do a. Stab- but he's a hypnotist; it wouldn't work right. on
1: him. Right. I totally thought that he had switched places with his twin. His, uh, he had,
2: <laughs> that would have been obvious.
1: I totally thought that he had he had done a whole thing where he had hypnotized his twin. They but didn't think of it. Made up. <laughs> or, or when because there's an early line where where they say, um, "We both agree that uh, our, our parents had one kid who shouldn't have lived," something like that. And I thought, oh, there's gonna be triplets. I mean there, <laughs> yeah. I was I was grasping for anything. Like House of Wax. But it doesn't go anywhere.
2: But the brother couldn't do the same things he could do, right? Or was it better at them? No, like but, there's
1: never a duel between them at the no, end. No, but he started no he starts to lose like the differentiation between the characters as the movie goes on. I mean he's starting to do some of the weird like mentalism things with the other character and uh, I don't know. It, it doesn't work. None of it works. And he's so gritty, Plain, but... He's so grittingly horrible as Chase or whatever that twin is. Oh, it's unbearable to watch him do it. Yeah. It's unbearable. And I love Woody Harrelson in plenty sure? of things, but it is unbearable watching him have to do that shit. It's unbearable.
0: Yeah, the moment he comes on screen, the movie takes a huge – I mean I'm already at that point like, eh, what are you guys doing? That's just this huge nosedive and splat into the bottom of a pool with no water at that point. I didn't know I was watching Jack and Jill. <laughs> As a guy who's seen Jack and Jill, you're pretty much right, Kelly Wand. Yeah, yeah. The whole think thing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean the whole thing. You don't watch just part of Jack and Jill. You're in it. Yeah. The only way out, Kelly Wand, is through it.
1: Jesus. <laughs> Chris Markinson agrees with us on all that. He, say, he says, I was in such a good mood uh, because he saw it on the 4th of July, so it being able to sleep in, but all the characters, with the exception of Lizzie Kaplan's character and Woody Harrelson's twin, really seemed like they were absolutely miserable.
0: Um, well, at least that was something, too, where Woody – I mean, I thought it was terrible, but at least he came alive, like he was really trying something. Everybody else yeah, was just yeah. – I so lazy and bored and uninvested and. Uh, Eisenberg's the lead in the movie. Was he in this? Are you sure? I don't really remember him in this. Yeah, don't he don't has remember. shorter hair. Mm, oh, he was the guy with the short hair. Yeah, I don't really recall him very much. What What did he do again in the movie? It's a minor Eisenberg. <laughs> I'm wondering too. Is that a <laughs> hair thing where, where they shot after Batman vs Superman and like that was how much hair was he just to go back? I wasn't sure. And he was in that mood, like, oh god. What <laughs> Zack Snyder, Jesus! Can I tell you guys one thing that I laughed out loud at and thought was freaking hilarious? The painting? What, no, no. Mark Ruffalo seeing the painting? No. No. Okay. No. I mean, can, am I? Are you guys surprised when I tell you there was one thing in this that I laughed out loud at and thought was absolutely freaking hilarious and legitimately loved? If I you, told you there was one joke that they put in this movie that I thought was fantastic, would you be surprised?
1: No, I think you loved all the Harry Potter stuff and the and the thing where they talk about the the broom, the magic broom. I thought you I think you loved that because oh. you're a huge Harry okay, Potter fan.
0: Okay, I'm gonna now. say this moment. You guys are both gonna go, oh yeah, that was good. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. Get ready to say, oh yeah, that was good. You might want to practice once or twice because here you go. The moment where they're going. See, okay, see I laugh thinking about it. That was the moment where they're going down the slide, and the dude doing the tech presentation still has his earbud in with Woody Harrelson. And there's just a quick cut to him repeating Woody Harrelson's yeah. scream while they're going down the slide. That was one funny thing that I'm convinced John Chu accidentally didn't screw up. Like, come on. Um, am I right? Wasn't that funny?
1: That was funny. You're right. See?
0: See? Uh, and, I kind and, of
1: like what happens in Macau – I don't know who the rest because in China.
0: Well, it's, it, because I have a theory about that. That's before you really realize just how freaking annoying that character is going to be. Yep. Where yep. you might think, okay, maybe they'll do something interesting with it. Okay, that's where they're going to sign him off in this scene. Okay, let's see where it goes. Maybe it won't be as terrible as it was, but it's going to be. But yeah, you're right. That was that was a non. That was a less terrible bit. Yeah.
1: Um, Can I tell you my favorite thing? Or go ahead,
0: Tom. You're wait, wrong. there's something you liked better than that tech guy going ah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, I want to hear this. Well, uh, let me well, – well, what is it?
1: I liked that this movie afforded me the chance to see the movie G.I. Joe Retaliation.
0: You could have seen it without watching <laughs> Now You See Me Too, Dingus. I don't know if you're aware of that. That is legal in the United States to just cut straight to G.I. Joe Retaliation. Not afforded
2: him.
1: <laughs> but I usually don't do that kind of thing, but I did because it's the same director.
0: John Chu, yeah. No, I hate John – I cannot tell you guys how much I despise John Chu for a very, very specific reason that we'll get to in a moment. Dingus, Ooh, I – why do you hate John Chu? Oh, my God. I'm so – I've been angry at John Chu since – when is this? 2004, I guess. I'll tell you guys in a minute. But um, <laughs> I have not seen that's – a, that's a Dwayne Johnson one, right, Dingus? Oh, yeah, it is.
1: It is wow, totally. Okay.
0: Do I need but, to see that?
1: Yeah, it's so oh. freaking good. I can't believe – well, maybe it's because I saw it after seeing this. But I really, really liked it. Um, now,
0: where does that fall in the GI Joe? Like, oeuvre, is that the second one? The first no,
1: one? it's it's later in the. I would think not because Channing Tatum is only in the beginning of it.
0: Is it and the it, one where the ninjas are swinging around on the cliff?
1: Yep, it's a cliff. <laughs> it's cliff because okay. I've uh, seen fine. trailers
0: for it. But okay, is it the one where Drive It Like You Stole It? Is that yep. is that in there? Yep,
1: it's Drive It Like You Stole It. And is it I, threedy? it. I, well, I'm sure somewhere it is, but I maybe mean, there are the
0: things like poking out at you at the screen.
1: Uh, probably, yeah. Right. But damn, I had a great time watching it. Uh, Dwayne Johnson is awesome in it. Uh, Bruce Willis. Oh, don't,
0: don't snicker when somebody says the words Dwayne Johnson is awesome in it. I want you, Kelly, one, to get used to hearing that a lot more in the future and, and not thinking it's uh, said sarcastically.
1: Uh, uh, Jonathan Price is fine. He plays, you know, twin presidents. Um
0: Oh, right. He gets taken over by Cobra and turned into an evil president, right?
1: Yeah. Like Harrelson. Um,
0: yeah, but I know also, this from the trailer. Yeah.
1: Uh Joseph Mazzello is in it. Um
0: The Jurassic Park Kid?
1: Yeah, the Jurassic Park kid is in it. And he plays a character named
0: Jurassic. Mouse. Oh, named what?
1: Named Jurassic, honestly. No, he plays a character named Mouse. Uh, and
0: Oh, your favorite mouse. All right, what, go on.
1: What I was referring to earlier. He plays like the the little guy in the G. I. Joe uh a uh, group of people. Um he has a couple of scenes, he's really good in them. Um I really I was I really grooved on this on this G.I. Joe movie. I was totally surprised. And so my favorite thing about Now You See Me 2 is that I decided to watch uh G.I. Joe Retaliation after watching it and went, "Oh my god, this has a lot of good stuff in it. Um even a lot of good fighting. There's no good fighting in Now You See Me 2. It's just crap, like can't tell what's going on shit. Um, but there's there's some pretty good fighting in uh, G.I. Joe Retaliation. I mean, there's there's some good good stuff in it. Uh, I am really I was really very, very excited by it.
0: So yeah. real quick, while we're on the topic of good fighting, I promise I'm not going to dwell on this. That's another reason you guys are crazy because you haven't seen it. Kelly Wan, you're a naysayer about the last Hobbit movie is the yeah. fight scenes in that. It's always clear who is doing what to whom. It's none of this quick cut nonsense. So I just wanted to get that in real quick. As long as you don't count the armies. No, especially the armies. Like which <laughs> army is where and doing what to whom. But even okay, when the they Eagles go up – The Eagles coming in from northwest. No, even when they go up on like Raven Hill to intercept the goblin army and stuff, and it's just like man – well, dwarf to orc fighting stuff. All, everything's clear about who's hitting whom where with what. and who, Like all that's super clear. It's not just a bunch of cuddy CG stuff. So dingus, you should see it. Kelly, you're crazy for not liking it. Oh, that's
1: awesome, uh, Tom. What would you put as your over? under
0: Dwayne Johnson's awesome. Enough. My over under for this. Mo- <laughs> see Kelly Wan? see how natural it felt to say that? It just came yeah. out naturally. Sure. Uh, he plays Radagast
2: in the remake. <laughs> I would
3: really
0: be into that. By the way, Radagast, the Eagles aren't their own army. They're just Radagast coming in, gassed, coming in with reinforcements. So but he's fighting for one of the other armies.
2: He's not. No, he's a not. No, no, he's why there. Why the
0: guy- no, he's there, Like he's a, he's a Gandalf reinforcement. He's on the same side as Gandalf. The two armies are the goblins and the orcs. This is right. I've looked this up. I've been told this. It's elves, dwarfs, people, uh, orcs, and orcs plus goblins. Five armies.
1: All right. So, okay.
0: uh, Wait, a listener said. Never mind. No, I. No, I, it's not eagles. Right. It's definitely not eagles. Everybody knows right. that. Yeah. Um, my over and unders were movies. Where uh, a trick is being played on the audience as well as in the movie. Ah, where the appreciate. movie's going to do something like afterwards. It's like, eh, hey, gotcha. psych, And it like points his fingers at you. And it's like, like
2: episode gotcha. seven? Uh, no.
0: Wait, I have to do some math in my head. No, that's the g- – <sighs> Kelly Wand. Yeah, see. I don't,
1: mean, uh,
0: don't believe his lies. Yeah, don't mm-hmm. believe your lies. Don't uh, count. Uh, so my over-under <laughs> – oh, before I give you my over-under, I want to tell you what my problem was with John Chu, the director of – Oh, yes, uh, good. – of – Uh, Now you see me too. John Chu will forever be remembered by me as the guy who screwed up the Step Up franchise. After the original Step Up came out with Channing Tatum and, I don't know, like Joanna Dewey Chewy or what, I forget what her last name is, but Channing Tatum married her after this Step Up movie. So now her name is something like. Whitney Channing Dewey something yeah mm-hmm. she's no good in the first one the first Single one is Grant. awesome for watching Channing Tatum dance uh and in a step up movie these are for kids you're going to get a lot of like kid uh drama stuff that wouldn't be out of place like on the CW or you just got to deal with that to get to the the dance scenes right so uh this i think this the woman's name she did guilt trip she did uh Shoot, she did another movie that I didn't necessarily hate, a comedy recently. At any rate, the woman who directed the original Step Up, she then didn't do any more in the franchise. A fellow named John Chu, he came in for Step Up 2, The Streets. Now, Step Up 2, The Streets is notable for a young Brianna Evigan who is fantastic. I love some Brianna Evigan. Now, Brianna Evigan briefly stepped out of the series and then she came back recently for Step Up All In, I think. Uh, She's in that one a little bit, but it's not really worth it. But while Brianna Evigan was in a Step Up movie, it was really great, and she's like so good on screen, and it almost even makes the young adult drama stuff bearable. But it is so cool watching her dance, and there's an early dance that she has with Channing Tatum because Channing Tatum is only in the first part of Step Up 2. He shows up for a token appearance, and then he's out for the rest of the movie. sounds dingus like something that might be going on with G.I. Joe, but don't spoil it for me. Okay. Uh, So at any rate, the rest of the movie is Brianna Evigan. Now, I don't know if you know who Brianna Evigan is, but uh, Kelly Wan, you've at times seemed to imply you don't know who she is. She's like an American Sharni Vinson, Mm. which makes sense because, by the way, Step Up 3D brought us Sharni Vinson. That's where we meet her. So before Sharni Vinson, there was Brianna Evigan. She's in Step Up 2. She's freaking adorable. They do this thing over the course of the movie where and she's a beautiful woman, and she's wearing these crop top things, but they're sort of loose and baggy, but you're seeing a lot of her midriff, and she's got a beautiful midriff, and when she's dancing, uh, I mean, she's a gorgeous woman, and the climax of all the step-up movies is going to be the bad guys' step-up dancers, like battle dancing the good guy dancers, right? That's always going to happen. That's how they all end, every one of them. The twist in Step Up 2, and at this point, I'm like, John Chu, you're a freaking genius, The twist and step up to the streets is that during the the big climactic battle where where, uh, Brianna Evigan's team wants to fight the main bad guys, not fight but battle dance them. The battle dance venue is like, (laughs) no, you can't battle dance here. You're not part of this club because she's there from like a hoity-toity dance school, right? Uh, You're not part of this club. You can't do it. So she gets up in front of the crowd and she does this speech about dancing brings us together. We should all be together and we should all – we're here to dance, and everybody's like, yeah, yay, and she's like, if you're not going to let us dance in this club, we're going to go outside and dance on the streets where it belongs. So they go out on the streets, and here's where John Chu is a freaking genius. It is raining like you wouldn't believe. It is just raining cats and dogs, so when they do those final dance ah, uh, that's good. These dancers are drenched. Their clothes are wet and heavy, and you are… A eunuch, if you don't appreciate the point of rolling out Brianna Evigan, who's been in these fairly baggy clothes up to this point, in tight, wet clothes, amazing, and then watching her dance. It is just so hypnotically awesome. I just, I, I'm transfixed at that point of the movie, but freaking John Chu, there's literally only like 20 seconds of her in that part. We get to this point where, yeah, she's going to be drenched wet and in tight clothes, and she's a beautiful woman and dancing 20 seconds, and then it's gone. You know, we watch all these other people dancing clothes. We don't know who they are. They're just dancers. John Chu fumbles the point of the freaking movie, and I've resented the man ever since. He lay, he did another step up, and then he went on to do other things. So, Dingus, I might not have it in me to watch his, his G.I. Joe because I just resent uh, not getting more wet Brianna Evigan dancing. It sounds like yeah. In a Matrix Revolutions kind of All right. That said, my over and unders. I hope everyone understands the importance of this, by the way.
2: Wait, so it was just 20 seconds of the girl you were waiting to see wet. Yeah. And that's that's why you hate him for
0: this. For everything. Okay.
1: For everything. What do you mean everything?
0: I just don't want to see his movies. He does – I mean, come on. I I sat through Now You See Me too. Of course it's from the guy who doesn't understand – the movie should have at least ten minutes of Brianna Evigan dancing.
1: We don't get that. So your over under. What was your plan for your over under?
0: My over under are movies that trick the audience. I just had to explain, uh, and you guys are obviously unmoved by this. I thought it would create a furor. I just had to explain my problem with John Chu, and obviously it's because you guys don't know who Brianna Evigan is. See the movie where she fights a tiger called Burning Bright, and you'll understand. Uh, Wait, so that trick that tr- he John Chu tricked you. And that's yeah. why it's on your – I resent it, okay. yeah. Uh, in Mother's Day, a movie with a, an, an, a, a very gracefully aged Rebecca de Mornay. It's a horror movie. Brianna Evigan's in that as well, smaller part, uh, but also a, a great Brianna Evigan movie if you want to follow her career. Uh, um,
1: movies that trick the audience because one of the things that drove me crazy about watching Now You See Me 2 is how we have to constantly do that it, – it, that psycho thing at the end of the movie where now we're going to tell you what you just saw, now we're going to show <laughs> yeah, you, like you, I you a shit. what you didn't see, and you can't trust us because we can just ship that at any time. This could be a flashback. It could not. We can fuck with that in the next movie because obviously that whole thing with Morgan Freeman knowing the guy's dad was a retcon for this Oh month. my
0: god, no kidding. Yeah, ew
1: but all that all that now we're going to tell you what you just saw but you didn't see because we didn't give you enough clues to see it, it drove me absolutely nuts so I'm interested to hear what you have to say about movies that trick the
0: audience all right my my under which I feel bad putting this underneath it but the reason it's underneath it now you see me too is a crappy movie and I don't think it ever it's never trying to make me think it's a good serious movie this movie is trying to make me think it's a good serious movie and it during huge stretches of it it's successful And I'm really liking what it's selling, and I'm really on board with the craft, and the director should know better. My under is the game, the David Fincher movie, because it ends up being so implausible. Like it's a plausible world with plausible characters, right? You're supposed to care about these guys. They're supposed to be authentic, and it works. But then the whole – all the machinations that have been put in motion, all of that becomes so implausible. Like at the very end – You know The fact that he chose to dive off the building of this side instead of that side, nobody could have guessed that. The whole thing would have fallen apart at a million six different times in this movie if somebody hadn't gone left instead of right. It's just full of that kind of stuff and I just resent it because the rest of the movie has potential to be good and it's it's puzzling. It's bewildering. You're like, how is this happening? And just the reveal, uh, it's – it's just, it just feels like such a fake-out. I'm not buying it, and I just really resent being tricked by it because it's not – it doesn't work. You can't do – none of that stuff works. You couldn't have figured any of that out. Just the game – screw
1: you. So I'm totally with you on this because it's not – only—it's not. I would use a much stronger word. I would say betrayed because I felt <laughs> betrayed by that movie. I felt, I felt like the end is a betrayal. I mean I lost interest earlier on when they're shooting up Deborah Unger as I was in it, when they're shooting up her apartment. Um, I felt – I started to lose interest at that point when it's like a lot of shooting in her apartment. I think that's where it is. But at the end, it's it's simply a betrayal. I'm totally with you on that.
0: Because as you're watching it, you're like, okay, what is the what is the solution going to be? I'm 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 sitting here. I'm willing. I'm I'm waiting you know you're going to obviously resolve all this for me what's it going to be and then what it is it's your writing it's it's a betrayal all this suspense was just artificial and faked and cheap and implausible yeah right now my over is this kind of thing which isn't a great movie but i feel one where this actually works and these movies have a really bad reputation but oddly enough the following movies are nothing like the original uh the original saw uh which <laughs> wasn't a torture porn movie and and which is what the reputation is for these movies. The original Saw was done by, I think he was 21 at the time, this super young director from New Zealand named James Wan, who nobody'd heard of. He did this little tiny indie movie. He got lucky enough to get Danny Glover and Carrie Elways. Uh, he wrote it, he co wrote it with Lee Winnell, who's one of his actors, who's one of his buddies. It had this great youthful, like it was, it was just an indie movie that some kid put together. Uh, and it was a puzzle movie. Uh, it was very contrived, but it had a cool twist waiting at the end um, that, that recasts everything you saw and makes things that you were looking at for the entire movie, you know, there's something a little different about them that you didn't realize. Uh, the, the movie is rightly dinged for getting laughable, awful performances out of Carrie Elways and Danny Glover, but as a script, as a, as a puzzle movie. Uh, I think Saw way way better than than Now You See Me too. Uh, <laughs> why are you laughing, Kelly Wand? Have you seen the original Saw? Yeah, I saw it at the theater. See? I don't know. <laughs> is it better? Answer me this, Kelly Wand. Is it better than Now You See Me too? Well, not everything is. <laughs> Dingus, what are your overs and unders for uh, this latest atrocity by John Chu? This latest atrocity. I'm telling you guys, sit. See Step Up to the Streets. I need to see Brianna Evigan, and then I can all you know, go from there. I'm telling you an American Sharney Vinson. But, uh, what's Sharney Vinson by the way in Step Up 3D, she doesn't do her Australian accent. And I feel that uh, But she know, does it for the rest of the movie? No, she's not Australian in Step Up 3D. She's in, oh. she's an American girl and I you know, she should let her Australian accent fly. It's adorable. It works in uh in uh your next. You know? Yeah, she's good. Brianna Evigan. Yeah. I mean t- I told you guys. I watched that surfing movie where I thought the girl was going to get her uh, arm bit off by a shark. Uh, I thought it was one of those movies, and Sharney Vinson is the bad guy. And I watched it because of Sharney Vinson. I'm, I'm you know, 80% through the movie, and nobody's gotten their arms bit off, and I realize I'm watching the wrong movie. I watched Soul Surfer instead of whatever the one is where she gets her arm bit off. Uh... <laughs> it's not funny, Kelly not? I I accidentally watched Soul Surfer. You're laughing? Jesus, I think it's overs and unders for the latest John Shu atrocity. As I'm
1: mine doesn't have as cool a bent as yours, I like I like your I like your way of doing this over under. Um, it's always really difficult for me to do an over under for a movie that I really didn't like.
0: I know, right? And
1: really hated as much as this movie. Um, so just slightly over this is a movie called Get Shorty, um, which awesome. I'm not I'm not crazy about, um, but I choose it mainly because it has some sort of a uh, uh, an element not of not of heist necessarily, but of yeah. of, uh, of sleight of hand, of trick—not sleight of hand, but but mainly the main reason I pick is that the I really freaking hated the music in me Two. Um, it. God, tri- I don't
0: even remember the music. What
1: was it? It was just. It was. It was so um, nondescript and constant, and
0: just it's a, like action a, movie stuff, right?
1: Yeah, it was just. Yeah. It was just uh, miscellaneous numbing action music, and I really liked the music in Get Shorty a lot. Although a lot of it is is like found stuff, like uh, I don't know, like Booker T and the MGs and that kind of thing. Um, uh, it, it, but I, I couldn't stand the music in this, and I, and I didn't like Get Shorty that much. But I liked the. Uh, uh, Considerably more than this, um, and under this, under this, I would put Tower Heist. Uh, just
0: wow! <laughs> I mean, that's uh-huh. he's. Got, I mean, it's you know, uh, which is yeah. It's like here's your punk ass bobby pin.
1: I think Get, Get Shorty understands um, how to handle its humor and the characters. All of the characters kind of agree on what level of humor we're at. I don't think Now You See Me two does, and I don't think Tower Heist does less. Understand how where the where the level of humor is supposed to be, uh, and wasn't it Alan Alda who was in Tower Heist too?
0: Yeah,
1: I mean not Tower Heist, too, Tower Heist
0: two, Tower Heist. Don't That's even say what? such a thing. That's terrifying.
1: And I love Alan Alda, but uh, I don't. It's
0: terrifying. Don't, uh,
1: and no, uh, I'm totally pissed that they they used Daniel Radcliffe on this. But that whole yeah, Because it's just a it's a constant Harry Potter joke. It's that's all it is. It's a well, isn't that art. Daniel?
0: Isn't that going to be Daniel Rankin's career from yeah. from now on? It doesn't
1: have to be, but I mean that's fine. If, if the if the actor wants to take that work, I have no problem with that. I mean actors have to take work. That's not a problem. Oh, but because the just, magician
0: thing. I didn't even think of that, thing.
1: It's, it's the, yeah. the oldest magician shop in the world, Macau, and they make that broomstick reference. And I mean it's. It's just – it's a Harry Potter joke. Just having him do it is embarrassing because it's a Harry Potter joke. That's all it is. It's a Harry Potter joke. Because they
0: do treat it like a big – I was a little mystified by this. They treat it like a big reveal. I mean it is a big reveal when they're playing – I guess it's like Purple Haze or whatever, and the camera zooms in, and they turn around because they're they're facing the wrong direction of the elevator, and then he turns around, and it's Daniel Radcliffe. I didn't quite understand why that was such a big deal, but I bet you're right. It's like, hey, we got Harry Potter as our villain.
1: And for the The whole first movie – it just so happens that Michael Caine never reveals the fact that his son is a famous magician who's off the grid or something. I don't know. It's it, I mean, this whole movie just feels like we're just going to fill in a bunch of cracks in the cement that the other writer uh, kind of left for us, and we're going to pry them open if he didn't. Um, it's just embarrassing. I think the Daniel Radcliffe thing is embarrassing. Anyway, I think I would put Tower Heist just under this and uh, get Shorty just over it.
0: I'm with you hundred percent, Dingus, because there's not a single moment in Tower Heist as good as that tech guy going,
1: ah. Very good, yeah.
0: Uh, dingus, I have a quick I know, quiz. Although I would say that I really
1: did like the that weird costume changing thing that um Jesse Eisenberg was doing. I just yeah. wish it had been handled more artfully. Because you don't well you don't hate the movie at that point necessarily. <laughs> right. But the but the music in it was driving me nuts. And I think that you can you can do the music better and handle that that whole costume changing gag um, to that whole sequence where Kelly Wan says they they just became <laughs> hotel employees for some reason, which is hilarious. Um, but I think you can handle that whole costume ha- changing thing in a much more interesting way. Um, I think you could get Wes Anderson to direct that sequence and make it funny. Uh, but But John, she doesn't know how to do that.
0: Well, and even how embarrassingly bad the bit is where he walks in and says, oh, it's photo day, and then he slaps the mental patient bracelet on the guy, uh. and they carry him off. And then, whoa, it's wacky. Dave Franco puts a banana in his pocket, and he thinks it's a cell phone. Oh, my God. That was just so painfully bad. It
1: was It was not only that bad for that because I, didn't, I thought when he was grabbing him that he's – trying to hypnotize him again and he's doing the sleep thing again and then it turns out he's just slapping a thing on his wrist
0: yeah and whoa the security's going to notice it and they're going to think oh he's a mental patient it's crazy it's wacky oh jesus
1: and by the way here's here's a hint if if your movie might be marginal don't keep telling us the word sleep
0: Thing <laughs> <laughs> uh, thing is before we move on to kelly's over and under i have a short quiz for you uh get shorty is it Elmore Leonard or James Elroy? Go. El- Elmore Leonard. Let me check your work. Yeah. Elmore Leonard. Yep, Dingus, you get a point. Well done. All right. I always have to mentally think. Okay. I basically think, is it serious? James Elroy. Is, okay. it, a, is it funny? Elmore Leonard. Like that's really how I good. Right. But then right. doesn't – isn't – um is Jackie, that's a good Brown, to Jackie so. Brown one of those two? Jackie Brown's not Elmore Leonard, is she? I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's not funny, though. Jackie Brown isn't funny. Yeah, it is. Jackie, Jackie Brown is not funny. Are you kidding? Jackie Brown is uh, super like awesome and serious. Jackie Brown is where I it's where it screws up. Because Jackie Brown strikes me as something that James Ellroy would write. Uh. Don't you think? Or no? At least the way Quentin Tarantino directs it. I... Which one is Rum Punch? That's gotta be Elmore Leonard because it's Elroy, a funny title. Elmore Leonard. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I've never seen is Isn't the rock in the sequel to um
2: Yeah, he the... does bring it on. Get Shorty? Be cool.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's uh, what I sent you guys that bit from. Tom make me watch it, yeah. He's doing the – where he's he's tricking – like he, John Travolta, he's like John Travolta's buddy, and he has to play a dumb actor. It's a great bit by the – John Travolta makes him apologize to him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, good.
2: Because he's a better actor.
0: Kelly Wand, now that you have seen Now You See Me Too, tell me one movie that you like more than it and one movie that you like less than it.
2: My – oh, yeah, I also learned something about relationships from – I Good.
0: I look forward to hearing so, that. But first, Kelly, I want I need your over and your under. The sleuth with Michael
2: Caine. It's like a Michael Caine mindfuck movie. Kinda. Yeah, with
0: with Lawrence Olivier, right? Lawrence Olivier, yeah. yeah. Wait, is it your over, your under? Can't be your under. <laughs> so, that's my over. I see. So you're very closely bracketing it as yeah, usual. Slightly Kelly. over. I, I agree. <laughs> well, it's all over. So, isn't there a modern remake of that with like Jude Law and Michael yeah. Caine, but Michael yeah. playing the Olivier part? Yeah, I didn't see it. Did you? No,
2: I did not. No. I saw the original. Why would I?
0: Well, exactly. Like the, who? Nobody can watch Sleuth. <sighs> if you've seen the original, you can Like Sleuth, is broken S- for you. It's really
1: yeah, it definitely is. I mean, it definitely is. It's such a oh man, it's such a.
0: I remember I had a dumb
1: a friend, friend was wonderful movie?
2: Excited. Well, was a... excited when Gus Van Sant Psycho was coming out. He's like, yeah, Gus Van Sant Psycho is coming out tomorrow. And I'm like, dude, what? Why do you care? It's like the same. You know what's going to happen. It's like a twist.
1: I love that you bring up Sleuth because I think that's one of the soundtracks I have on actual final record. I love that. I love music. music (laughs) Yeah, I love the music from Sleuth. Well,
0: in Sleuth, isn't it originally a play where if you were to look at the program in advance, like the program itself would be a spoiler. Yeah, It's it's, it's, It's a two-man play, isn't it?
1: No, but they mess mess with the cast. They mess with the, the way the cast is listed.
0: They better, because otherwise it'd be a spoiler. I'd be very upset about that if I were yeah, to... Yeah, see.
1: yeah, yeah. They, 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 like, they list... They give one of the things.
0: actors a fake name, like, for yeah. his character? Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. All right, in that case, I'm on board. I might watch both of them, then. Mm-hmm. But they only get wet in the rain for a couple seconds. Oh, that. you don't understand how good she looks. And it's huh? only, like, 20 seconds of it. It's horrible. She seems kind of young. Brianna Evigan? Well, she yeah. is. She's not, like, 15 young. What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't know. It's like, tw- so, wait a minute, so, why are you going... <laughs> <laughs> You've made very lascivious comments inappropriately about women who are probably like nineteen, Kelly Wan. Why yeah, but suddenly they, they look twenty-five? <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> that's my wow. rule. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wait, what are you looking at? Because all right, I don't know, haven't looked at the wrong ones. You know what, Maybe Kelly Wan? The wrong... See, step up to the streets, and then get back to me, and we'll talk. Okay. All right. you really sold it.
1: Yeah, all right. Stop googling. Stop it. Googling. Yeah. Stop it.
0: Uh, all right, so Kelly Wand, a movie that's slightly just a teensy bit better than Now You See Me 2 is Sleuth. What's a movie that's just an itty-bitty bit, maybe a smidge not quite as good as Now You See Me 2?
2: The Ocean's Eleven one where Julia Roberts poses as Julia
0: Roberts. It did make me think of that, just so smug. and Ocean's movie. Twelve. Yeah. yeah, it's like, ha yeah. get it? Yeah. So oh, like so clever, aren't song. we? Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: that's and, really dumb. That's a good choice. I was really close on Oceans twelve because I hate that movie so much. I've never even seen Oceans thirteen, should I?
0: I don't think I have either. If I have, I've forgotten it. That's how that's how much of uh who's it what's the angle in Oceans thirteen? Is there like a new ocean in it?
2: They have to rob the moon? I think it's like
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Kelly Wand, if that's not an ocean movie, then we want you to get on the script for that right now. Yes,
1: Chad. moon heist. <laughs> All
0: <Uh-oh>. right, well, <laughs> Kelly Wand, uh, you know, a lot of people look to you to, to because they wonder when they've seen a movie, what can I learn about my relationships in real life, maybe romantic or otherwise, from seeing this movie? So, Kelly Wand, what lessons about relationships did you call from Now You See Me 2? I'm jealous of the piranha.
3: One, two, three.
2: Only
0: you and sneak a between them. That's the wrong movie. You did the wrong movie. I didn't say I understood the relationship
1: <laughs> <laughs> now you see me double D. Uh, I
0: can't,
1: can't wait to see your Roberts. I can't wait to see Moon Heist. Moonheist. <laughs> Moonheist <too>. here. <laughs> this is your punk ass Moon Rover. Is there someone else in the room? Curdy.
2: Remember right, when Ben Stiller you... beat up the car in Tower Heist? <laughs> and it wasn't supposed to be funny? It's like, this is what you get for robbing the poor. Gold. And the what Snoopy flow. I don't know. Steve,
0: Steve, McQueen's,
1: Steve McQueen's car. Yeah, remember? Alan is keeping it in his apartment.
0: <laughs> I just Cameron hope the James use of the... Snoopy in that movie was licensed. That's all mm. I have to say. Uh-oh. Okay, the 3 by 3 cops are out in force, just so you know. Uh, this is your favorite acquisition of firearms, the scene where somebody has to get a gun, and I, I talked briefly last week about the fact that uh, we've gone from maybe half of the people in the U.S. households owning a gun uh, in the 70s. Now we're down to a third of the households in the U.S. owning a gun. Uh, generally, you know, gun sales are up because they tend to buy more guns. It's not that more people own guns. Way fewer people own guns. So in a movie where somebody has a gun, a lot of times the movie wants to show you how this person got a gun because it is foreign to the experience of half or more of the people in the United States. You know how does someone come upon a gun? Do you go to a store and buy it you know what what 's the deal with getting a gun i don 't have a gun i don 't know what that 's like, uh, so a lot of times a movie wants to show me so these are scenes where a character acquires a gun, a firearm of some sort now. Because I firmly believe in gun control, the three-by-three cops will be out in force, and we already have one potential violation. A friend of ours suggested that we should watch the movie Zulu. That's not what I'm talking about. I know in Zulu uh, (laughs) – I actually don't remember Zulu, but I know in the Battle of Works Drift, there was an issue where the soldiers didn't have the right tools to to open their, their arsenal. So they had to improvise. That's not what I'm talking about. You don't get to pick stuff like that. If you pick that stuff, you're under arrest. Kelly, Wait, do why it. is that? Yeah, I don't well, like
1: you, The verb "acquiring" was the key verb that you used in an, introducing the topic. It's it's acquiring, and also I just think getting, you,
0: right? And it's I not think like you guys, picking up a gun off the battlefield.
1: It's acquiring, yeah.
0: it's and and you guys. That's why I saw also open with this idea about guns in the American experience, and when right, somebody uses a right. gun. So I don't. I don't want. Yeah, I don't. Just don't tell me about somebody pulling a gun out of his holster, and that's – Clint Eastwood acquires his gun in Unforgiven when he draws it. You're <laughs> going to be arrested. You will do time in jail. I just want you to know under my three-by-three regime, there are very strict gun control laws regarding this topic, just so everyone knows. Kelly Wan, I hope you're, you're on board with that.
2: Uh, my number three might get me in jail, but my other ones are okay. <laughs> All right. Well. So, uh, sp- Ding do it, I get let out of jail if I redeem myself, mm-hmm. or do I stay in jail?
0: You might the have to. You might have strikes. to write us from jail to give us your other two picks. We'll
1: but, see. Ooh. but you might be in a jail where you can have a flat screen TV and, and a conjugal like,
0: visit. Yeah,
1: you know, a whole bunch of like stuff all and you've
0: over. Been lobster, you were. Yeah, yeah, you didn't get to finish your lobster when uh, Mark Ruffalo comes in.
1: You're in lobster jail.
0: Yeah. Shit, I better change my number two number one. <laughs> Well, Dingus, you're introducing next week's topic, so you go first because I, I think – Dingus, I think you and I might just have the same lists. I'm guessing. Uh,
1: I think there's a possibility yeah. we have two of the same. Uh, I, don't think yeah. you, I, don't, I don't think you're with me on my number
0: three. All right, I think Kelly but, also is, is horning in on our choices yeah. by his uh, tone of voice. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. Since I saw somebody else say that one, like, how about that movie? Uh, I was like, damn it! <laughs> I, I, but I, I and I kind of tried to avoid it. But I was like, well, yeah,
3: yeah, legitimately, but they're the good right. ones. Yeah.
1: Anyway, good. my number three could get me in trouble.
0: Uh oh! Uh oh!
1: Um,
0: Did you see this? You, this is not a Star of David. This is a sheriff's badge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 All right. uh, too soon. Here's my number three. Here's a quote from it. Man, craziest head I know is gonna be a fed. Uh,
0: that's I'm a little uncomfortable. So I don't, was, was Dingus Kelly Wan there doing the equivalent of you being called racist for doing a Chinese accent? No. <laughs> I think Dingus was trying to do a minority voice of some sort. I'm not sure. Like guy did a voice like that, and I go, oh, oh, he's black. And then the guy
2: went, no, he's deaf. That's racist of you to say. And I go, wait, your acting is just bad.
1: All right. This is kind of the reverse of what Tom's talking about, uh-huh. but it still works. Uh-huh. Uh, and I really, really love this movie, and I watched it again this week because I really love – the way this plays out. And this is from the movie Harsh Times. Um, and I this haven't is, seen the... You haven't seen Harsh Times, damn it? No, that's *The All I right. Seen. All right, so the, 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 the gun we're talking about is a Ruger KP-94. Um, and so uh, Jim and Mike are, uh, Jim is this, this dude who is back from the war and he's got a terrible case of PTSD PTSD, and he's cruising around with his friend Mike, whose wife, uh, girlfriend, whatever, is insisting that he go find a job. And they spend their time cruising around because Jim is trying to get a job as a cop, and Mike is just trying to get a job. Um, and, uh, they roll on this, uh, this group of guys that is, uh, related to Jim's girlfriend in town. Um, and they, uh, they break him down. They, because Jim has a gun. He's got like a nine millimeter or something or other. Um, and they rob rob these guys. Uh, this is in Los Angeles. Uh, these guys are gangsters and uh, they're Latino gangsters. And uh, Jim is played by Christian Bale. I forget who Mike is played by. I apologize. Um, they rob them. And wh- one of the main thing I was trying to think of, Tom, is that is that moment in a movie where somebody like acquires a handgun like in a paper bag. Uh, and they pull, like, guns out of a paper bag that they've bought. Um, but this isn't the, ac- this isn't the acquisition moment. So, it, it isn't just them finding the gun, but what well, they rob, rob the, these gangsters, and they, they tug off in their, their car, and they find this beautiful Ruger KP94. This, this pristine looking Ruger, uh, that has a, a full clip in it. And they spend the rest of the movie, basically, while they're doing other things, trying to, get somebody to buy this gun from them. Uh, they go to um, Terry Crews, who has just gotten out of the joint, and there's a great scene with Terry Crews, they try to get him to buy it, and he can't afford it. They're trying to sell it for $300. Um, they get pulled over by a, a couple of LAPD people after Christian Bell finds out that he's been accepted to be in um, Homeland Security. They get pulled over by this, these LAPD cops, and one of them... They know that guy, and they're both like, "Ah, oh, you, fuck you," uh, and they try to sell the gun to the LAPD dude, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't need that one." Uh, and they eventually wind up at um at the home of. But actually, the LAPD dude suggests you should try to shot, who's played by this guy named Chuck Foreman, and they go up to his apartment, and they finally like do the gun acquisition moment where, uh like Chuck Foreman's like. He, he's he got this weird little apartment with a mattress on the floor. And he's got an engine block sitting in the middle of the apartment. Um, and they, and, uh, Christian Bale brandishes this, this beautiful Ruger. And he's like, uh, I'm trying to get rid of this. I want to sell this. It's three bills. And the guy's like, yeah, hell yeah. And he takes it, he points it out the window. And he's like, yeah, take that, take that. And he cocks it. And Christian Bale's like, no, no, th- those bullets will go right through these walls and kill your neighbor's kids. Don't do that. Um, and he hands him over three hundred dollars, and that's the gun exchange right there. So it's more of a gun exchange, really, than, go, no. than it, the main the guy, character going to acquire.
0: It but, doesn't matter if the main character. The other guy acquired the gun. That's fine. Yeah. If it's from yeah. the perspective of the guy selling the gun, that's just just fine. Think There's no way you would get in trouble for that. Right. Good. It's not a, there's not a jury in the land that would convict you on any charges, specious charges thrown against you for that right. one.
2: But it's not like I wouldn't convict you just because you're my fight. friend.
0: But I I
1: love the I love the the weird sort of fetishization of that particular gun and how they're looking at it and how it's so beautiful but they can't unload it they can't figure out how to and they finally and they actually try to sell it to an LAPD officer and he won't buy it but he won't bust them either because he's like dude you're you're with the feds can you get put in a good word for me I mean it's it's this whole weird dynamic harsh times has such a weird dynamic to it it's actually really hard to watch I had to stop it halfway through because I got Kind of upset. I mean, I've seen this movie before, but the movie is really kind of upsetting. Um, but it's really well made.
0: So, the thing is, where you might get in trouble with the law is not knowing that it's Freddy Rodriguez, the guy from uh, oh, Damn like, it, uh, not Galaxy of Terror. What's that? What's the? Uh, no, he's in, in Galaxy of Terror. Yeah, yeah, and uh, also uh, Poseidon. Yeah, you know? you're right. You're absolutely your you're right. Kicks him to his death in an elevator. Yeah.
1: Damn it. Yeah, it's Freddy. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, I knew I knew the guy, but I just was so taken with watching the movie and so just. Kind of transfixed watching right. Jim Bale and, um, uh, oh god, I can't even think of her name now. The girlfriend of Freddie Mercury. Eva Longaria. Eva Longaria, yeah. He,
2: he was going to be the first partner of Dirty Harry in the Dirty Harry game I wrote. He was a guy named Nacho. <laughs> <laughs> Harry's always saying racist shit to him. And then he gets killed. Kelly, what? I'm killed.
0: sad we never got to see that.
2: I am bummed too. Keith David was one of the other partners. What? And wow. I know, named Shellshock. So, I don't know, he gets killed too.
1: Shellshock. Um, uh, the so. Rock plays a guy named Roadblock in um,
0: G.I. Joe Retaliation. That's a cool name. Yeah.
2: That's like his forehead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Kelly, Wan, what is your third favorite? And remember, the police are out in force. So I hope you're not going to be in trouble. Your third favorite instance of someone acquiring a handgun. I think I'm going to jail. I think I'm going to jail for this.
2: But now, now I'm kind of curious if I'm going to go to jail for it. So that's making me want
0: to plunge forward. How can you not know? It's like not knowing before you kill someone that it's wrong. How can you not know whether you're doing the three by three correctly? I never know. (laughs) But also, um, the word acquisition just means
2: you're getting. Right, You're, but I okay. explained
0: – I sort of explained it's not – like you have to also listen to the introduction of it. Like this one isn't just, hey, take the words that I give you for the title and do what you will. I sort of introduced what I was looking for. So yeah, it's like I a think- law. A law isn't just a few words. There's a, like paragraph or something that goes into a law.
2: Yeah, but then there's always amendment. Yeah, I saw Schoolhouse right. Rock, but <laughs> – you um, you know, there's a lot of wiggle room, and all, and we have trials and courts because right. sometimes the law is interpreted differently according to who you true. talk we to, do. like a yeah. bailiff. Well, gun. let's
0: let's see how you fare then. But I'm pretty sure you know if you're breaking the law or not. Well, also I just couldn't think of three of them. Come on, are you serious? Oh, there's so many. scenes well, like, this is such a, a stereotypical scene in LA too. Like it's like, yeah. I mean, that's part of why I picked it. There's a bazillion of these scenes. But all right, so you had a hard time coming up with the third one. What did you then put in instead? Okay, so my tough one. Yeah? In
2: Sharky's machine. Okay, so far so good. <laughs> the scene on the boat where Burt Reynolds, he's been captured, and they're cutting off his fingers. And then they cut off two of his fingers. And then um, he overturns the table, in Smiley, the bad cop, who's taking? Who cutting his fingers off or telling the Asian guy to cut them off. There's a Benny Hannah's joke. And then he overturns the table and it hits the guy in the face. And as the table comes up, he sees Smiley's gun in its holster while he's, the rest of him covered with table. So he pulls the gun out of the other guy's holster and then
0: shoots him with it. So right, your acquiring... sentence is, is no less than 10 days in 3x3 prison. Uh, you are not eligible for parole in Those ten days, oh. no parole. I'm making a note here. I mean, but he keeps the gun, so it doesn't matter. You are you just picked a scene where somebody found a gun in a scene. How is it any different from Clint Eastwood like drawing a gun in Unforgiven? It's just not a transaction.
2: Yep. Sorry. No, no. But in Unforgiven,
0: no, the judge's has ruled. I mean, the sentence gun. has been passed. There's nothing I can do now, kelly Caliwan. Sorry. It's written down on on the paperwork here. We filed the paperwork. It's in the legal system. Ten days in three by three prison, and you're not eligible for parole.
2: Well, since we're all going to have the same number two and number one,
0: um, uh, because no, I, I even I had no to one's cut. This. I had to cut a couple of them that I really liked. Really? Yeah. You're going to some of these stuck. are, are going to be told to you, Kelly Wan. You're going to be like, oh yeah. So for instance, my number three is the classic one, and I don't know if it's the first one, but it set the stage for I think a lot of other scenes. Uh, that's when Travis Bickle buys his guns from uh, East Ah, That's Andy. a way better one than mine. Well, that's a classic it's, one because that that's sort of, yeah, I think, the classic one. That like, I don't know if before then we'd ever seen because Taxi Driver is this early creepy movie about gun violence and it's such vintage 70s cinema as far as addressing this really scary thing of like random people shooting up you know, a political event or a whorehouse or whatever. Um that you know the scene. Martin Scorsese wanted us to show how does some unbalanced, weird guy who's uncertain about what's going on in his life, who's probably – has got some sort of illness, how does he go about getting? In this case, it's three or maybe four, getting all these handguns. And it's just oh wait, I thought of another one too. 'll well, see exactly right, and it's just because there is in New York. If you know a guy, a guy can get you a gun, and this is what Travis Bickle does. Right. Is there's a scene where he just gets in a taxi cab and he's introduced to this guy named Easy Andy, who who looks exactly like Andy Samberg. By the way, it's a weird. In that scene. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? Yeah, it totally. Looks like, and that, maybe that's just how people looked in the '70s back then. Maybe Samberg, I guess, has <laughs> this great '70s face. But they go to a hotel room, and Scorsese is so fetishistic about. Just letting the camera linger, especially when Bickle asks about the 44 Magnum, the camera just slowly goes down a close-up shot of this Magnum and the the impossible length of its barrel. Um, And as Bickle is looking at the guns and Easy Andy is laying them out on this black cloth… It's it's almost like this Wes Anderson. I mean, it's this perfectly composed Mm -hmm. shot with each gun being added as 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 the guy shows it to Travis Bickle and then lays it out and he explains it. He's giving a sales pitch. He say, you know, this is a beauty and here's what it does. And you know, he's selling guns the same way that somebody would sell you a car. Um, And there's a great scene too. I didn't remember this uh, where Travis Bickle picks up one of the guns and it's it's his point of view. Looking out the window, it's like yeah. Dingus was talking about the guy in Harsh Times that picks up the gun. He's looking out the window and he's scanning along the street and he focuses it on some people just standing in the park outside. But the thing about this shot is in the foreground, out of focus, is his hand holding the gun. And it's kind of like the first-person first 1st shooter perspective shot in a movie like because we know that from video games. And movies a lot of times will emulate that in a video game where you see the gun being held by someone in the shot Uh that's in Taxi Driver where Travis Bickle is wanting to try out – is just holding this snub-nosed pistol that he buys. Um, but I, I think that sets the stage for these kinds of scenes is that this is how we imagine that illegal handgun trafficking is done. Just well, he tries use, to sell him drugs after that. Oh, and, and a Cadillac. He's too. He's yeah, like, so get you a Cadillac it's for $2,000. $2. It's just this idea yeah. that guns are flowing through the same network as drugs and stolen cars and the thing is, as he's trying to sell Travis Bickle drugs, he's just going down the line from expensive to less expensive drugs. Like He's trying to upsell yeah. them first, and then he gets all the way down to, hey, do you want crystal meth then? I can get you that. Uh, but isn't it Goodfellas? Doesn't he – doesn't uh, really to try to buy guns, but he's on coke at the time. Uh, maybe. Ugh. I don't remember. but That might be somebody's pick that you might have ruined. I, I no. remember getting rid of – I remember the gun disposal in, in that movie better. Yeah. Uh, what I love about that window shot that you're
1: talking about, Tom, is that there's 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 a break between the windows, um, and I love the visual of him following whoever he's following as they're walking, and then there's a break. Yeah. Like you can't see them, but he keeps tracking them, and he gets them on the other side of the break the window.
0: It just kind and of brings – that break just kind of brings you back into the room. It's like, yeah. this is a guy in a room looking out a window. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I hadn't seen. I just after watching that, I fast forward to the end. I hadn't seen the end of Taxi Driver in I don't know five ten years. Good lord, it's like a horror movie. Yeah, I mean, I just that last shot. Just not that it's the last shot, the whole last sequence. Um, you know, in, well, in was the that in
2: last. his mind or not? Pardon? Oh no, in uh, the very end, is that all real or not? Because there's debates. Yeah, come on, there's not a debate. Is that really? Yeah, that can't I don't
1: be think
0: a debate, debate about that.
1: Which gun does he use for the mirror scene? I mean because he – does he buy that super long gun? I can't remember. He
0: buys the super long one. Yeah, absolutely, and he even buys – the guy says, hey, I got this holster made in Mexico. I'll give it to you for yeah, 20 bucks." Yeah. yeah, it's got a special holster. Uh, in the mirror scene, he's trying on all the guns, and in the mirror scene, he's using this – he pulled out this rail from a drawer, and he put it on his forearm. Yeah. And I think he's testing that thing popping out real quick, and, and he's testing whether or not he hides it under his, his army jacket. Um, but yeah, all the blood effects and, and the guy's hand getting blown off and the close-up shots and just this this sudden dispassionate gore at the end of Taxi Driver's – god, I mean imagine seeing that in 1976 where horror movies were – I mean this is before well, – I guess this is after Jaws, but still just how, how – because it's, it's not at all stylized. There's nothing fancy. It's just so matter of fact and brutal. That last bit of taxi driver. It's not glamorous. Yeah, exactly. I mean, none of the movie is so you wouldn't expect it to be. Yeah. But you know, I imagine like firefights and you know gunfights up to that. When is Death Wish? Kelly, Wand? how how early are those movies? Do you know? Death Wish. Goldblum plays one of the hoodlums. Yeah, you know, he's got this gross rape scene. Uh, but is that predate Taxi Driver? I think it's seventy five. Makes sense. Seventy four. I think it's seventy four. I'm willing to bet a dollar it's seventy four. Okay, because those are that, those are still like revenge fantasies. Like that still glamorizes this, this idea of taking a gun and killing people, and you know it might be horrible, but you got to do it, and you have a good reason to do it. It's but it had to be this. a reaction to Death Wish, right? What with Taxi Driver, you mean? Yeah, that I had don't know. Go. That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, like did Paul Schrader was he like oh this yeah I don't know. Death Wish
2: was 74, so it was right. Taxi Driver was a response to it. Like I, obviously Travis Bickle had seen Death Wish. Right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: So that's my number three, and even though I think it's classic, I think it, uh, it set the stage. There's two more that I like better that we'll get to in a second. But first, Dingus, what is your second favorite? And uh, Kelly Wan will be bringing us his second and first picks from jail. All
1: right, good. Uh, that's
0: shoot, right, Kelly Wan. I hope the food is good. I feel bad about Taxi Driver now. Uh, sure. well, we'll see what else you come up with. Dingus, what Let is you your second favorite acquisition of a gun?
1: All right, here's a bit of dialogue from it. You want the Elite? No, I'll take them all. I'm that's, not going to guess because uh... I think I it. All right, so this is from The
0: Guest. Yeah. Which didn't make my cut, by the way. It's another one. It's like, oh, that's a great really? scene. Oh, really? really, you?
1: you didn't? That, did, uh, that was my number one. My guest.
0: That's your right. number one, so it's great. Yeah, so, so Dingus, what makes, and then Kelly one oh, No, what, no what, it's, what? If
1: Kelly One's number one, so Kelly wand, go ahead.
0: Yeah, why did you pick the guest,
2: Kelly Wand? Because the way – there's a lot of acting going on in that scene and he's taking apart the guns as he – like while they're talking.
0: That is so hot too. Yeah. So good. Uh,
2: And it's just like he's super businesslike about it. And then when uh, he shoots him at the end of it,
0: doesn't he like sigh
2: with irritation? So uh,
0: Ethan Embry, no. well Dingus, you, do you remember? Yeah. Did you because I watched, I rewatched the scene as well this week. Oh, yeah, do you yeah. remember what? Because it's you I saw it's on y'all's list. I guess it would have to be my number four. So, do you remember specifically, Dingus, what's going on with that? i mangling it. No, no, you got it right. I mean, he is signed with irritation, but do you remember why? Isn't he? Isn't it jammed? Nope. No,
1: it's not jammed. Uh, so what happens is that uh, he, it's not a gun he's buying. By the way, that he shoots him with. Is a gun that he's taken from the gun dealer.
0: Because he says – it's part of what's awesome about the scene uh, – I'm going to kill you. Like he announces yeah, he's, he's going like, to kill
1: yeah. you. Know, I'm, I'm not buying them. I'm, I'm going to kill you. And then uh, the gun dealer draws a, a Smith & Wesson uh, Model 69 357 Magnum on him.
0: What? And, How do you know that? Because they say I looked it at the it, movie or you looked it up?
1: I looked up these guns because wow, there's, there's something that's not only – there's something – I don't know if you guys know this. <laughs> when I was doing research for this uh, and looking up guns and whatnot, uh, um, there's something not only – there's not only an IMDB, there's an IMD – there's an IM, <laughs> IMD DG. firearms. There's a firearms database. There's an IMDB firearms database.
0: Oh, like what weapons are used in what movies? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, i don't it, doubt
1: it, it. Yeah. it's you know not just for for acquisition but also just how firearms are used pictures of all of them um it's a whole database of how these how these weapons are used so that's how i knew cuz you know in the in harsh times jim jim's gun changes from a, a scene to scene the actual 9mm that he uses changes from scene to scene because oh, like
0: a continuity error you mean yeah it, yeah oh. because
1: it has like a safety on either side or a different kind of slide um because they had different gun people on different days of shoots. Uh, but And he refers to the Ruger in the wrong way in a certain scene, but it's, it's that particular Ruger. Um, but I was interested in actually figuring out what, what gun was what. But but this particular gun is the gun that the gun merchant draws on him when, um, when David says, yeah, I'm going to kill you.
0: And real quick, and- I want to mention his name just because I think you guys should know this, especially Kelly Wand, who still hasn't seen Cheap Thrills. Uh, the gun dealer is this cool guy named Ethan Embry. Yeah. Who him and Pat Healy are the two main actors in Cheap Thrills, and they're both so good. And Kelly, one, you need to see Cheap Thrills already. So I just think Ethan Embry should be called out because he's great. So go ahead. Yeah. Dana, sorry.
1: And he's really great. Um, but and he's so surprised at this whole yeah. thing that's happening. Not only with the fact that uh, that whole beautiful and and you're right to call it out is is this really hot and sexy moment where where uh, where David just takes apart the gun and puts it back together. Do,
0: do, 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 and he does the cool do, thing, I don't know what it is, where he's like holding up the barrel and looking down it, like through the mm. light. I'm like whatever yeah. – right. yeah, it's so cool. Like this guy knows what he's doing. Like, and even Ethan Embry and the other actor are like changing looks, like get a load of this guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and that's where he's, and that's where Ethan Embry says, you know, we're in the army. Yeah, yeah you know, right. in the Navy or whatever whatever he was in. Um, so they have that little moment and then uh, then David just disarms him, shoots him in the head, and then turns around to shoot the the – Skittish guy who's running away, but there's only one round in the chamber and it's a spent round. So then he has to go uh, and dump that round out, get out the box, load the gun, take aim, you know, and why this guy isn't running Serpentine, I have no idea. Um, and then I just, I just love that in that long range shot. Where he shoots the guy who's running in the distance, who's brought him to this gun acquisition, you actually have a little bit of C G of blood yeah. popping out of That's his head.
0: A perfect yeah. headshot, yeah, with a pistol yeah. from that range. It's- uh, yeah. yeah, and it's like why – like Ethan Embry, for whatever reason, he's a guy who carries a gun with one bullet in the cylinder. What the hell are you thinking? Because, because it's, I, it's safety. I oh, think, yeah. He only ever needs the one shot, right? Yeah. No,
1: I don't think so. I think it's because he's always willing to sell anything, and I think he would be willing to sell that gun as well. And I think he has all of these guns available to, hey, you can try any of these out. I'll, I'll, I'll enable you to
0: – Oh, there's one okay, bullet in you know, Yeah, test drive.
1: Yeah, maybe. Oh, um, okay. Uh, I, I, don't know if that's, I don't know if that's real, but I think that he would be willing to sell that gun as well. If if uh, they did the transaction and he was cutting a deal and Dave was going to buy all these guns, he's like, hey, by the way, I've got this Smith and & Wesson. And you want to buy this one too?
0: You know, the thing is in every scene – like in Taxi Driver, like I've – I'm pretty sure and – I'm trying to think of scenes. Uh, none of the guys selling guns ever give them a loaded one because like, a lot of times in these scenes mm. it ends poorly for the gun dealer. And they always have to show – like I want to tell you guys one that I know nobody's seen. It's a recent movie. You guys haven't seen it. I even waved dingus off of it. There's a, a, a an interesting movie called The Trust, which isn't very good, but it's interesting because the two leads are so weird and awkward. And it's almost like nice guys. Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe are unlikely leads. Let's put them in a movie. Go. The Trust is Nicolas Cage and Elijah Wood as these down-on-their-luck uh, Las Vegas police department guys who go on a heist and they're both such a, they're such a weird combination but there's a moment where nicolas cage needs to get guns and he's a low level uh, las vegas police department employee so he goes and he looks up in the records cuz he has access to them somebody's been arrested for dealing guns and then it we cut to him waiting outside somewhere for this guy to come pick him up he's contacted this guy and he's supposed to look really uh, dorky, like he's trying to make himself look super dorky. The guy who picks him up is a really tough black guy who just doesn't want to deal with him, and he's just doing it for business. And the scene opens with Nicolas Cage holding a glasses case down in the foreground, and and he's putting his glasses in it and fiddling with the glasses case somehow. Then he puts it in his pocket, and this this black guy who's super tough who's exasperated with having to deal with him, and Nicolas Cage is playing up this idea that he's a skittish, nervous, dorky white guy. The black guy drives him out in the middle of nowhere, um, takes the guns, puts them on the hood of his car. Says, "Here, look at him." Uh, you know, Nicolas Cage gives him the money, and while the black guy is counting his money, Nicolas Cage is saying, "No oh, did you, did you, uh, did you scrub the serial numbers off of this?" Like, and he's as he's saying that, trying to be a real <laughs> dork, he pulls out his glasses case, and he's fiddling with his glasses case, and the guy is counting his money. Uh, and then while while the guy is counting his money and looking exasperated and is just going oh, – when he asks him the question, he isn't going to answer him. Nicholas Cage just holds the gun and blows him away, shoots him in the head. And then we cut to a shot of his glasses case, and he's put bullets in there because mm-hmm. he knew the guy wouldn't give him loaded guns. So he had to secretly – he had to bring the glasses so he could fiddle with them and then have a way to load the gun.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So anyway, the long and the short – Because bullets is,
1: are universal.
0: Well, I think he – that's a good question, because They – I think he might have known yeah, who knows. But at any rate, that's uh that's from the trust. And so I I'm also thinking of another scene which didn't make my cut, but I'm sure someone will mention where you see the person have to load the gun. So I don't know. It right. is just weird to me, you know, why would someone carry a pistol with only one bullet in it? And maybe maybe gun owners actually know the answer to that. In which case, right in, yeah. let us know. Yeah.
1: But that's a beautiful moment where he where he flips open the chamber and it's like yeah. Yeah, and that's, he's like, yeah, exactly. Like, why off? didn't this it's just me?
0: go off? And then, yeah, he opens it and sees because this guy only had one bullet in there. Yeah.
1: Um, and at first, hmm. doppily, when I was watching it, I was like, "We'll just spin the chamber and shoot that bullet."
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just keep firing until it comes up again,
1: like they do in the movies. And then I realized, oh, that's the one you just shot. Sorry. <laughs> uh.
0: All right. So a couple of choices for the guest didn't quite make my list, but Kelly Wand, So from prison, the guest is your 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 favorite. Uh what is your second favorite gun scene? And in Caliwan, I'm just saying I have a note here from the from the DA. Uh they're saying that if two of your picks are good and one of them is bad, your sentence will be reduced by half. Uh
2: I'll do a quote from it. Alright. Give me a twenty two uh plasma rifle in the
0: forty
1: watt range. Just, just what you see, pal. Uh from is that from The Simpsons? <laughs>
0: Because that's again where it's not loaded. Like when Dick Miller's showing him the guns, none of right. them are loaded. Schwarzenegger has to uh, put a round in there. Yeah, it's so, so cute that he thinks a plasma
2: rifle will
3: be available. <laughs> well, so
1: I, 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 I love that whole. I'm gonna I'm gonna close my shop today. That whole thing, because that's the same thing you get from Ethan Embry. that like,
0: right, okay, right.
2: well, I'm done with the day. Then,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: yeah I sold three guns.
0: So that's my uh, second favorite one. And that is that's another classic one as well because it's yeah, it, it shows. That was
2: the first time where we saw oh well, he it,
0: hasn't said the name of the yet. hold on what's the uh, name of the movie Kelly?
2: Uh, the movie's called uh, Terminator One. <laughs> but uh, that was the first time we saw a gun owner get killed.
0: I think. Um, it's a good yeah. Like I wonder. Yeah, because it is again. It's the classic scene, and we'll see more of it. Like you know, if you the bad guy buys a gun and then just kills the guy who sold it to him. Yeah. Uh, the twelve gauge
2: auto loader. And the, doesn't the guy go? That's Italian. You can go pump
0: or auto. There's a lot of gun jargon in it. Yeah, and isn't that Dick Miller? Did I get the guy's name right? Because that's a famous that character. Looks or, like Peter Falk. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to get that one. Sorry, Kelly. <laughs> he doesn't look like Peter Falk. <laughs> You know he looks like Peter uh, Falk. Peter Falk. <laughs> My it's t- like how
1: he, how he compliments him on knowing his guns. You really know your guns, pal. Oh,
0: that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. He
1: goes. He
2: goes. You can't do that. And then the turner goes wrong. That's
0: his so, tagline before he kills him. Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: That, is, that is clever dialogue.
2: <laughs> so he's programmed
0: to tell you if you're wrong. <laughs> I already did it wrong. As we know Kelly Wan from the McGee movie, he's got a readout that tells him the word probably there on the uh his HUD to yeah. say wrong. Yeah. The same place it's where it that says that break. Yeah. That. So they have a tagline subroutine.
2: <laughs> I remember I stopped watching the Terminator TV series because one of the Terminators, he came to John Connor's classroom and he sat down and he went, class dismissed. And then he started shooting everyone. I thought, he did, why would he say class
0: dismissed? That's dumb. <laughs> so I stopped watching. <laughs> That's what got you. Okay. it's really annoying about it. Those Terminators him. have an odd sense of humor, Kelly Wand. Class dismissed? That's not what he would say. What was – come on. What's, uh, doesn't TARS have a line about their humor settings? In in Interstellar. Remember? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. they have to reset it. Yeah, and uh oh. oh shoot, who's the actor who does the name? Bill not Bill Sazler, Dadgummit. Bill Irwin. Bill Irwin, who's the, the Tars voice actor, like it every now and then. He'll say, Would you like me to change my humor setting? and he funny. you have some great bits about, about robots having humor settings. Yeah,
1: yeah, I like that.
0: They uh-huh. focus They'll Dingus I'm it. gonna quote Dingus about Interstellar quote. I like that. Mm. Oh. Dingus, I'm putting you down as liking Interstellar. Sweet, it's a victory uh... for me. <laughs> Kelly Wand, you're next. That's the dumbest thing you like, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> no, what about Battle of Five that's Armies? Dumbest. Hobbit, Battle of Five Armies. Mm, you're just being. I well, you went. In, that's different
2: because you went like the first two were awful, right? And so you were just like, this will be stupid, and then it was just <clears> a bunch <throat> of C T and that.
0: You know, I think you were
2: just in the mood for it. Next, no, so I've seen it like
0: twice. It. I've seen it twice now, and I like. Look.
2: I, it's I at least CG fighting, but Interstellar, there's
0: nothing. Don't get me started, Kelly Wand. Ugh. <laughs> interstellar. I will take you to task like you wouldn't believe. We will oh, go, go around the moon, my friend. Isn't a, rocket, save
1: isn't a rocket just a firearm? A, Dingus,
0: planetary, is it, okay. a Dingus, planetary. you're, you're messing with the law, Dingus. I'd hate to have to arrest you. A considering, gun considering Dingus, I know what your number one is, I bet. I don't want you to have to go to jail. It's Apollo 18. All right, my second favorite uh, – and actually, so maybe I don't know what Dingus' is, number one is. My second favorite is the bit in The Rover where uh, Guy Pierce needs to get a gun, and I think – I'm not sure. I think he's getting it because he wants to shoot the old lady who won't tell him if a car has come through. But he's talked to her, yeah. and she said, you know, tell me your name, sweetheart, and he won't tell her. And he's saying, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking for my car. Except so she says it in an Australian accent, uh, and she she won't answer him. So he goes in the other room, and I don't know why he knows to ask these people, but there's a, a midget in there, a very angry midget. Oh, like, I didn't even think about this one. Tom, this is awesome. Yeah, and he's playing dominoes oh. with these two young Asian boys who are whispering to each other, and the midget's like, stop whispering. Stop fucking whispering while he's playing dominoes, and he's mad at dominoes, and Guy Pierce is like, I need a gun. And it's so kind of endearing, but the midget just throws the dominoes away. He's fed up with his game, and he takes Guy Pierce's arm like the same way, and like you would take like a friend's arm or something. He takes his arm and pulls him by the arm out of the room. But it feels—I hate to say this—but it feels like a kid taking an adult's arm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very good for a walk, you yeah. know. Yeah, exactly. Like let's go out now, kind of. Yeah. Um. But he's so yeah. angry, and uh, and he's just this angry little midget. And the absurdity of it uh, – well, the way it unfolds, of course, and if you've seen the rover, it has this this, this terrible ending. Uh, and just I, watching it again, too, so I think Guy Pierce needs the gun to threaten the old woman, and I think he is willing to give the, the guy money because when the midget takes him to the – and he throws rocks at the dog, too, which makes me think – is that why he's killing the the midget? And I don't think so. But I think he does notice. It's, it's notable he's throwing rocks at the dog. But then they right. go into the trailer. The midget pulls out the gun. The midget is still so angry. He's so impatient. Um, shows him three guns in there. He says they're all three hundred. That one's three hundred. That one's three hundred. That one's three hundred. And Guy Pierce says, "Well, would you take less?" And the midget says, "No, give me three hundred and get the fuck out." And and I think Guy Pierce at that point he, that's where he realizes I'm gonna have to kill this guy. And he just, just really quickly – it does this really gross like brains on the wall effect too. Just shoots yeah. the guy through the head. And then he goes back into the grandma and he points the gun at her and he's like, "I tell me has a car come through here. Uh, and I think that's what he wants the gun for. not Because, because at this point, Ugh. he doesn't know if or how he's going to catch up to these guys. Uh, and maybe, of course, he thinks he needs the gun for that. But there's a reason he goes in and he asks the grandma and when she won't answer him, that's when he goes out and says to the midget, I need a gun. Um, and then he comes back in and he holds the gun on her and she – I don't know if inadvertently, like there's this almost weird sense that she's a prophetess, but she she almost literally disarms him by saying, uh, why do you care about this car so much? What an odd thing to to care about in this day and age. Uh, and it, it moves him in a way we don't understand till the end of the movie uh, and he puts the gun down and, and walks out. Um, so I just love the absurdity of that and what we have to infer about the character – um, and Rover is so good about that. Like, there's still parts of the Rover I don't quite understand why characters do something, and it's not because it doesn't make sense. It's because there's some interpretation there. They're they're complex yeah. characters, and they they don't do simple things. Um, so that's my second favorite one. So that so, Dingus, I think you and I will have this the same number one then. What I what I love about that
1: scene is is something that was just. Wrong for me in interpretation that I couldn't understand the first time I saw it until I really listened to the accent of of the dwarf. Or the way he's saying 300 right. doesn't sound like the word 300. It sounds like frayondre.
0: Fr- right, right. Is, is, is it because he's English and not Australian or something?
1: I don't know what it is, but it, okay. it sounds like he's saying that they're franged or something. And, and at this point in the movie, I still don't know what movie we're in. <laughs> which I love about the railroad. um it, it, it sounds like he's talking about these guns as if they've gotten some sort of modification. And it was only a little bit later, it's like listening to Shakespeare, where my mind kind of realized he's saying 300. He, it doesn't sound like 300 when he's saying it to my brain. It sounds like he's saying they're fringed or something, like as if the guns have been modified in some ways. It, I don't think anybody else in the planet heard it that way.
0: Yeah, it's I think it is – like there is a type of accent where instead of saying TH, you say it with an F. Yeah,
1: Yeah. and I just heard it as this weird thing. And so I'm just – I'm still in that scene trying to interpret the language of the scene when all of a sudden that guy gets his head blown off. And then again, I'm like, what? I mean it, it, it hits you so hard. That moment hits you so hard. That's a great choice, and I didn't even freaking think of it. Damn it. Gosh darn it.
0: All right, well, Dingus, what did you think of for your number one? Because you and I, I imagine, we'll both be discussing this.
1: I don't know if we will be because I like this movie a lot more than you did.
0: Uh, okay, but I still like the scene. Okay. This means more. Um.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Kelly Wand, you're out of the running. You already had your picks and plus you're now do- – oh, your sentence has been reduced to five days, Kelly Wand, Just so you <laughs> all
1: right, here's a quote from my uh, favorite gun acquisition scene of all times. Uh, look, I need to warn you, but I'm here, and I come to you because I need a favor, and it's a big one.
0: Can I give you a quote? Yeah, go ahead. It's too close. You ever killed anyone? Two, on purpose.
1: <laughs> mine is from a movie called Blue Ruin.
0: What did you think mine was from? I
1: have no idea, Tom.
0: No, it's when he asks him. It's when he...
1: I know. I'm just playing with you.
0: Oh, because uh, there's actually two great gun acquisition scenes in this movie.
1: Oh. So, uh, which one is my favorite one is when he's uh, – when uh, Macon Blair is going to Devin Rattray's house. Yeah.
0: Do you remember and the he, other one I'm talking about though?
1: Uh, yes. Uh, the uh, – well, the one I would think uh, – the reason that this mo- this particular scene makes so much sense to me and is so beautiful to me is the stolen gun scene, is the is the breaking of the gun lock. Right. That's,
0: right. that's, oh, that's the, one the one you're I'm, picking. You're not picking the Devin Rattray scene.
1: No, no. I'm picking the Devin Rattray scene. Okay. But I like the setup of the gunlock scene,
0: right, that is a great scene, yeah, which kind of in a way anticipates the opening of Green Room in a way, yeah, Like yeah. going going to parking lots to get things that uh you don 't otherwise have, yeah, and
1: also you just don't think that that scene is going to play out in that way, you think it's going to work out, and then it doesn't it just right. it just turns out to be a disaster um so it it is in this is is this indeed your number one? course it's a great
0: okay. scene, yeah we 've talked about it before, I just love what they do with devin ratray 's character and how atypical it is and what it turns out about. Him. I love how Macon Blair like holds that gun he 's not doing the typical you know he 's not like Travis Pickle pointed out a window because it 's cool he 's holding mm-hmm. it like it 's something that he 's never held before and doesn 't know what to do with. It. yeah, I love that scene, but what why is talk- it your number one pick um,
1: i just I love the way that the characters interact in it I, I love. Um, the whole build-up to him finding him outside his truck, telling him that quote I just told you, going into the house and then trying to show him the Polaroid, and him saying, uh, and then making Blair Dwight saying, uh, "I'm kind of in a hurry here," uh, and then they go back into the gun locker, and, and the, the the dialogue in the in the scene in Blue Ruin is just so beautiful because because uh, um, Devon's character says, uh, "Okay, well, what do you need this for?" And and Megan says, uh, Macon Blair's character says, uh, "I don't want to tell you. Well, the less I know, the better. I just want to know. Do you need it for long range?" He's asking a technical question, right? And the, the other dude thinks he's asking, you know, something a moral specific, question almost. A moral yeah. Question. <laughs> and then he brings out this huge musket-looking thing. He's like, "Well, this is my favorite right now." <laughs> and then he brings out this Ruger with this like technical thing that goes on with it, and he's like, "No, no, I, I just need something that's cheap." And, and he's just so meek. He just needs something that's cheap. He has no idea how firearms work, and and then there's that whole payoff with that 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 da that. Da, 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 da. It's the A-team gun. Um, that that whole thing and how that works out. And then of course the payoff at the trunk of the car. Oh my God, I love that. I love that acquisition so much because this is a character who does not have a single idea how in the world he would do this, but he knows one person he can count on. There's one guy who was looking for him.
0: Well, you say that, Dingus, but I'm not sure – do you remember how he finds Devin Ratray? He, he's oh, looking through his yearbook, yeah, and he yeah, yeah. sees that he was in ROTC. Oh, yeah, right. So he's just assuming that maybe he went on to have some – because they didn't have any contact with each other – that maybe he went on to have some military background. So he's just, he just like looking contact. up the people he knew when he was in high school. Uh, which was, you know, I think it's over 10 years ago when, when the movie takes place. I
1: guess they had more of a relationship than that because Devin Rattray talks about his truck as having, you know, the first miles on this truck were spent putting posters up looking for you.
0: No, no, right. But I don't think he knows that, that Devin Rattray knows about weapons. Like, Devin Rattray, oh, okay. I, I think when it, it just shows that he's looking at a picture of him being an ROTC, I don't think he necessarily knows that he knows a lot about guns. Maybe he does. That might have been something. That was a facet of him before, but the movie makes a point of showing us in that ROTC outfit and then his mom saying that he got out of the military uh, and he was deployed. Um, So you might be right, though. You might be right that that's why he looks him up because he did know that about him, Uh, and that is such a clear distinction between the two characters. Uh, And that's part of what makes Blue Ruin work so well is it's Death Wish about a character who is not at all prone to violence and who has no concept of – what violence means or how to commit it or the implications of it, who's completely taken aback by how it unfolds. You know, Death Wish was a nonviolent protagonist, if you will.
1: Right. Um, Who even tries to set up little traps and some of them work and some of them don't.
0: (laughs) Right, right. And who even basically says at various points, look, let's just talk this out. You know, we don't, I just want to, and the other people have no desire to do that. Yeah.
1: And, um, and his motivations. I mean, even after you know. By the way, the the gun is a Ruger Mini Fourteen, uh, and and Devon character says it's it's a carbine, which means it's shorter.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> it's a great line.
1: And he's just trying to help the guy. And it really, when you look at the gun, the way the guy's holding it, it looks like you know we could just pick pick a piece of wood and carve that thing out of wood, and then you know stick a stick a pole in the end of it. It doesn't look like that. That complex a gun until he's holding it on the guy, and then w- once the gun is taken away from him, you know Dwight is kind of saying, you know, I just des- I-, I deserve to die, but not my sister. I mean, it's it's just it's just just this this beautiful uh I don't know this beautiful orbit of uh, I need to get this gun for a specific reason. I I don't know how to use it. And Devin retro's character, I love that guy so much.
0: Well, especially because – so I also looked at another movie that came nowhere near making the cut and I think would have gotten myself arrested if I had picked it. Uh, there's a 1997 movie that's terrible called The Jackal where Richard Gere <laughs> has an Irish accent. And oh, I remember, my God. That's one of my
1: three favorite terrible Irish accents. Oh, well,
0: I thought you were going to say – okay, yeah, because it's terrible. It, it's The whole time, it's and Richard Gere just seems so pleased with his accent. It's yeah. awful. Uh, and Bruce Willis is the villain, and I remember there's a scene – and I remembered it because it was before anyone knew who Jack Black was where he's buying some kind of a gun from Jack Black and he kills Jack Black. I was <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I need to go back and watch that scene because that's a gun acquisition scene and maybe it's awesome. And it's it's not really because it, technically he already has the gun and he gets Jack Black to just make a, a turret for the gun, a mount. Yeah. It's, it's some nonsense. And then when he kills Jack Black, it's like super gory and that – but whatever uh, – so he's not getting the gun from Jack Black, and Jack Black, furthermore, is just the atypical fat, slobby nerd who has no concept of how to talk to someone. Um, <laughs> and so when he gets killed, it's okay. But what's awesome about Devin Ratray's casting is, you know, he's an overweight guy, and if you look at his role in Nebraska, he probably gets roles all the time as fat, dumb guys. Uh, he's not a fat, dumb guy in Blue Ruin. He's he's compassionate. He's competent. Yeah. Uh, he's not just some hero who's blindly like, yeah, let's go out and do this thing, like he's suspicious of his friend, like he's such this Mm -hmm. plausible meaningful character Uh, and it really gets at what a great writer Jeremy Saulnier is, by the way. Definitely, definitely, um, definitely. And watching it again this week, I I was just so happy with the fact that
1: you insisted that I see this before seeing Green Room. Well, because um, Macon Blair,
0: you have to see Macon Blair and Blue Ruin to appreciate Green Room. Kelly Yeah, you, you, you absolutely have to. He's so good. He's so freaking good in it. Kelly Wan, we might have to extend your sentence because did you go see Green Room before seeing Blue Ruin? Yeah, but you told me to. I told you to see Green Room first. You just said don't don't
2: bother with Blue Room and Green Room. Stomps in a That aside. doesn't
0: sound like me. <laughs> I think you might be. <laughs> and
3: then you're all imagining
0: So in Green Room, the guy who plays—I don't want to ruin Green Room because it's a fairly recent movie—the guy who plays sort of the ringleader, like Patrick Stewart's second in command. Uh, he's got these sort of kind hangdog brown eyes or sort of a distinguishing feature. Uh, he's kind of the nice bad guy in uh, in uh, Green Room. He's the lead character in Blue Ruin and the actor's amazing. Mm. Like uh, and Jeremy Saulier, who directed both Blue Ruin and Green Room, uh, knows how to make perfect use of this fellow. Uh, so that's, what's, that's why you should see Blue Ruin first is to really appreciate Macon Blair and then to see him in a relatively small role. It's still memorable uh, in Green Room. Um right. they're, they're great uh, contrast. I'll just go with a jail.
1: By the way, I think my my favorite line my favorite Irish accent line of Richard Gears from the Jackal is something like it should be public and brutal.
0: Oh that's from the ja- that's from Jackal? Wow, okay.
1: I think so. Wait, I that's could Richard be wrong. Gere?
0: What what's that, guy one? That was a Richard Gere line? Yeah. 'Cause I always thought you were doing like Sean Bean from that that Tom Clancy movie you love or something. I didn't know no public and brutal. All right.
1: Sean is Sean is like um uh uh I can't remember Sean. No, my, <laughs> my 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 least favorite Irish accents are um Richard Gere, uh in this movie, um uh Tom Cruise in Far and Away, uh How Come You Never Say I Like My Hat and Um Brad Pitt from The Devil's Own Uh but I can't think of the the line from it. What about Warwick
2: Davis and Leprechaun?
1: Oh, Kelly Wand.
2: Oh, I mean, (laughs) uh, something intelligent. Uh,
0: All right, let's see if any of the listeners are going to jail, because like I said, three by three cops are out in force. Okay. Paul Weimer. I feel safer. Uh, So, yeah, Paul Weimer is confirming, by the way, everything that I told you guys last week about Interstate 60 and how you shouldn't see it, and it is the Bob Gale movie that, uh, hmm. where Gary Oldman plays he's not a leprechaun he's like a wizard or something I realized when I told you guys he plays a leprechaun <laughs> I was thinking of the movie where he plays a midget where he does that dwarf thing uh, and it's a serious movie called what is that movie called? thing is you might have been there when we show. when we saw it at Sundance where Gary Oldman is a midget and he disowned the movie shoot what is that called? oh uh
2: footballs uh, tiptoes
0: tiptoes very good Kelly Wand. Yeah, wow. it's uh, uh McConaughey right? yes exactly yep but, I'm so, obsessed with that movie. In Interstate 60, I don't know that he's technically a leprechaun. He's like a wizard. and I was conflating a wizard with a short guy and putting him together and making him a leprechaun. At any rate, he's in Interstate 60. It is James Marsden as the lead. Uh, don't see it. <laughs> uh, Paul Weimer is saying that uh, there's no gun acquisition in it, so it's not on this week's 3x3. In The Mummy Returns, Jonathan, played by John Hanna, <laughs> who for a movie and a half has been a mostly useless coward – is handed a rifle by his sister, Evie, to help battle their mummy foe. Manning up, he locks. Yep, Paul Weimer. Let's see. I'm putting you down for 20 hours of community service. Handed a rifle. Now compare that to where I have someone grab it from a belt. That's move. why, Kelly Wan, you're in for 10 days. He's only got 20 hours. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? You're right, Kelly Wan. Paul Weimer. We're sentencing you to ten days in the pokey, three-by-three pokey. I need the company.
3: Oh! <laughs> uh,
0: I think Paul Weimer going to get more than ten days. Number two, in uh-huh. Westworld, Richard Benjamin is new to the experience of the titular theme park. He gets fully kitted out with 1880s gear, including, to his delight, as he touches fondles and holsters them, a pair of Colt 45 pistols. Yeah, we're putting you up to 15 days because it seems like at least you're trying, but it has nothing to do with what I was talking about. 15 days in the pokey, Paul Weimer. That one's kind of closer, though. Mm. That's corner. why he's only getting five days for that one and not the full 10 days. Because he paid money for those. Mm. Okay, <laughs> we're reducing it to two days. So, Paul Weimer, your sentence is 12 days in the pokey now. I, I think you watched him pass my cell in the other direction.
1: <laughs> I think I love the title, 15 days in the pokey, though.
0: Uh, well, now it's just 12 days in the pokey, Dingus. So, yeah. so you know. Uh, it. Oh, it looks like it's going to get worse than that, though. I'm just looking at the title of the movie here. Number one from Paul Weimer in Zardoz. I already don't Listen. like where this is going. I'm listening. The penis is evil. I'm listening. We see a flashback sequence when Zardoz's <laughs> giant head rewards Sean Connery and his tribe. Wait, Sean Connery is, is, doesn't play Zardoz in the movie? No, Zardoz is the head. Bro. Oh, I would assume a movie called Zardoz starring Sean Connery. Sean Connery would be Zardoz. Yeah, his name's Ned or Zed. I
1: thought his speedo
0: was named uh, His name is Zed. Paul Weimer says here. Yeah. Uh, so a flashback sequence, the head awards Zed and his tribe for their loyalty by vomiting out a large pile yeah. of rifles and firearms. That totally counts. That's a
2: great choice. They're acquiring guns from the head. It's puking them out. But they have to buy them off by killing the. Uh, if affiliates. you just
0: go strictly by the title. Firearms, you know, acquisition of firearms. Sure, but there was more to it than just the title. There's this whole point of of mm-hmm. guns as part of the experience of you know people around the world. Actually, like this has got to be even weirder for people in say you know Norway or France or, or the UK, for instance. Well, what's weirder than a giant head spinning them out at you? You see my point. So a, a, uh, a cyborg from the future sent to kill Sarah Connor, taking them for a, uh, nice to see you. <laughs> All right, I support <laughs> Weimer. I Paul's, support you total sentence is 17 days in the pokey. Kelly Wand, you had two great picks, so you've only got 10 days. So by the time you get out, Kelly Wand, you know, Paul Weimer is going to be like the old grizzled prisoner. You're going to be the guy who has a short sentence, who gets restored to, to life in, in in public outside of prison. He's the Freeman and I'm the Robbins. Exactly. Exactly. You're you're the tall drink of water.
1: Yeah, oh. we, call, we call him Fremen.
0: All right. 17 days for Paul Weimer. Arthur Giovanginelli Mm, Okay, let's see how this goes. Uh, Jumanji. Van Pelt, a big Uh, uh, game hunter from the 1800s, is brought to the 1900s by a magical board game, and he's tasked with hunting down Alan Parrish. I have no idea who that is, Arthur. Unfortunately for him, he runs out of bullets, and they stopped making ammo for his old rifle in 1904. When Van Pelt learns this, he attempts to buy – okay, you're okay, Arthur Gio because – when Van Pelt learns this, he attempts to buy a new weapon at a firearms store, but he's informed there's a waiting period and lots of forms that have to be filled out. His amusing response is to simply dump a bunch of money on the counter, prompting the clerk to just give him a gun. <laughs> Arthur, uh, very good. Awkward. I saw the title. I was worried, but you pulled it through. Very well done, Arthur. That's one
1: of the great moments in the Blue Ruin scene, by the way, when he reveals the first gun. He's like, you know, vintage-able, uh, vintage ammunition is really cheap now.
0: Right. <laughs> like like if that's one of his considerations is he wants – because he's – yeah, how much he'd have to spend on ammo. Uh, Arthur's number two pick, just based on the title of the movie, I'm thinking, all right, Arthur, so far you're in great shape. Number two, super. Hmm. Frank and Libby realize they will need to up their firepower if they want to free Sarah from Jacques. I don't remember those names. So they visit a sporting <laughs> goods Patrick store – yeah, and they visit a sporting <laughs> goods store and have a good old-fashioned shopping montage. Of course, the items they're buying are quite dangerous, as they include guns and the necessary components for bombs. Very good, I like that one. Mixing in, you know, it would seem like it would be a uh, James Gunn just making a scene Get of it. the absurdity of <laughs> oh, Fig Kelly. One sometimes I don't even know how clever I am when I'm saying things until you remind me. Oh. How did they acquire
1: him for Guardians? <laughs>
0: Uh, in Bruges, Ken, operating under orders from Harry, gets a gun from Yuri. Again, I don't remember these oh, characters. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's himself. right. Uh, Yuri tries to tell him about the alcoves in the Königin Astrid Park and how they might be a good place to murder someone. Ken's reaction makes Yuri doubt he'll actually do what Harry wants him to do. Harry also has similar scene, a similar scene where he acquires a gun from Yuri, who once again brings up the alcoves. Both scenes are great. The Ken scene is tense, where the Harry scene is funny, but both work equally well. Dingus, help me out here. Who the heck are Ken, Harry, and Yuri? Plug some actors' names in for me.
1: Well, Yuri, I can't plug a name in. He's the dude who's running the gun shop. Um,
0: Harry, is gun shop in Brussels?
1: Yeah, no, it's in Bruges,
0: Belgium. Which is, sorry, which is in Belgium. different city. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Harry, Wait, I you, you can buy guns in in Belgium. I wouldn't have guessed. Well, there's
1: a shop there. I think Harry is Rafe Fein's character. Isn't it?
0: Oh, that Belgium's sounds right. Country, I can hear. Dude. I can hear him telling him he has C kids.
1: Like, yeah, pair right.
0: your kids are C's. Yeah. And, I,
1: and I guess I don't know. Ken has
0: got to be Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Arthur, you, me, and Dingus are so far the only people who aren't doing uh, time for this topic. Let's see how everyone else does. Dave, you're Perkins, in here with me. Dave Perkins. Let's see if he's going to jail with you. Dave Perkins only has two. Uh, the scene from Equilibrium where the main character acquires two shotguns by slapping them out of the hands of two enemies. Dave Perkins, no. welcome to jail. I'd like <laughs> you to meet Kelly Wand. Here's Paul Weimer who's going to be an all time old-timer in jail. He can show you around. Uh, let's see. So Dave Perkins uh, – What are you in for? Not buying a gun, right? <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say Dave Perkins being the mathematician we know he is, I am going to read the rest of this because there's some good uh, physics here. The scene in Equilibrium where the main character acquires shotguns by slapping them out of the hands of the two enemies who are aiming them at his face from either side. Dave Perkins writes, I showed this scene to my Calculus 3 class and proved <laughs> why the movie was impossible. Ironically, the proof <laughs> argues that the point of equilibrium of each shotgun does not match physical reality. Nevertheless, we all agreed the movie was effing cool. Well, Wait, Dave Perkins- what did the
2: teacher do during while he was doing
0: all that? He teaches classes. Dave Perkins. Uh, I thought he was a student and he (laughs) just got it. Dave Perkins can make your head spin by showing you math stuff. I've had it done. So Dave Perkins, while he's in jail with you, Kelly Wand, he's getting 10 days for that. He can show you some of this math stuff.
2: Then he can tell you how it's spinning and how fast.
0: Oh, look. You know what? We need Dave Perkins in court again because let's see. Here's his number one pick. Oh, no. Dave Perkins, we're reducing your sentence to 40 hours of community work because Dave Perkins' number one pick – the rover.
1: Oh, very good.
0: Who also says, uh, which maybe we should have said, he says, I can't say more because I don't want to spoil it. So apologies to anyone for whom charged ahead <laughs> and spoiled it. Dave has the right idea. Hmm. So Dave Perkins, uh, sorry, Kelly Wand, you and Paul Weimer will not get Dave Perkins in jail with you. Instead, he's going to be out by the side of the freeway wearing one of those orange vests picking up traffic – or picking up uh, tra- uh, trash, not traffic. But what do I do with his soap? It's between you and Paul Weimer. Brian I'm Kent. so
1: impressed with you guys with the rover. I cannot Thank believe you. it.
0: Because
1: I was just thinking about him uh, you know, getting the gun when they're in that room um, and the people are driving up. I, I didn't even think about that whole thing. Oh, oh
0: right. right, right. Awesome. Sharky's machine was on a boat, <laughs> so that made it more interesting.
1: I never thought it'd be on a boat.
0: Kelly Wand, am I going to have to give you extra time for bad behavior? <laughs> <laughs> Brian Kent. <laughs> After Dick Miller has been in so many movies, it's hard to count. His short turn as a gun owner in Terminator, he's so affable yet slightly annoyed until, by the way, Schwarzenegger says I'm going to buy everything. Uh, he's so affable yet slightly annoyed that it's a great contrast to Schwarzenegger's robotic actions. I feel mm. so bad when he blows him away. Miller and James Cameron both worked for Roger Corman a lot. I did not know that. Mm. So perhaps that's how Dick Miller ended up here. I love that idea. Oh, yeah. I also loved him in Gremlins, Dick Miller, uh, directed by another quorum alum, Joe Dante. Hmm. Brian Kent, so far not in jail. Brian Kent, who's free as a bird, just like me and Dingus, Callie The maid said Arnie was robotic, too. (laughs) Number two for Brian Kent, Donnie Darko. I sure did love Donnie Darko when it came out, but I've not revisited it for some time. In order to set the timeline right, apparently – Donnie is guided to the gun in his parents' closet by a weird abyss-like creature that protrudes from his chest. It took me three or four viewings to understand what was happening in this scene, and maybe I still don't, which I admired at the time as a kind of puzzle, but in retrospect was probably just obscure for obscurity's sake. Kelly Wan, I'm going to ask you, do you think that Brian Kent will be going to jail for this pick or that he will be uh, allowed to go free? I think you'll take pity on me and bring him in. Nope, because that's a great pick, this idea of a gun being in someone's closet. I like that. You know, Guns being kept in the house. There's a movie. I'm sure no one's going to pick this. I mentioned it during our cheerleader uniforms, three by three. There's a movie called Home Sweet Home. It's a home invasion movie where a woman puts on a cheerleader for some friskiness with her husband, and then a home invader terrorizes them. But near the end of the movie, they keep a gun in the house, so she goes downstairs to get the gun – She's in her cheerleader outfit and everything to shoot the home invader, but the gun has a freaking lock on it. So she's got the, to get the keys as well, uh, which is, again, I think you – know, I like that it's showing that facet of gun ownership, that guns are kept in houses in ways that might be inconceivable if you've got a you know home invader breathing down your neck. But it's part of responsible gun ownership, right? Um, so, Wait,
2: this movie is Ordinary People? Is
0: ordinary? No, this is a home sweet home. Uh, a horror movie with no one famous. I think it's a Canadian director, a uh, mm. little-known movie. Mm. Uh, and it's like that bit from Blue Ruin where you, the guy steals a gun out of a truck, but it's got a lock on it, and he can't get the lock out. So, so this idea of a, a gun kept in your parents' closet, uh, I don't remember that bit specifically from Tony Darko, but no, Brian Kent is not going to jail. Mm. But he has one more. Uh-oh, I'm a little alarmed. National Lampoon's Vacation. <laughs> what? Hmm. All right, Brian. Wait, wait. Yeah? Let me think. Go on.
2: It's John Candy's gun?
0: Um, no.
2: Security guard?
0: Although I think I
2: might let him have this. Uh, That's the only gun in Vacation.
0: Say that again, Kelly Wand? What were you saying? He takes John Candy's gun and shoots him in the butt with it or something. It's like a triple. No, you have the right idea, but I think Brian can't – I think this works – Okay, I'll just read what Brian Kent wrote. When Clark Griswold finds himself at the end of his nightmare journey across the U.S. only to discover Wally World is closed, he goes and gets a gun from a local hardware store to force a security guard – I'm guessing that's John Candy – to force a security guard to let them in the park. Uh, I love his pre-gun rant. Quote, we watch his shows. We buy his toys. He owes us. He owes the Griswolds, right? F&A right, he does. Later, when he brandishes the pistol, the little white price tag still dangles from the trigger guard. Kelly Wan, do you think Brian Kent will be doing prison time for that, or do you think the courts will accept it? Actually, do you think he won't even be pulled over or cited by the police?
2: He'll totally be doing prison time because the gun acquisition scene's not in the movie.
0: Mm, it says he goes and gets a gun from the hardware store. Not on the, screen. And then it has a price tag dangling from it. So I, I think uh, – no, he's not run afoul of the law. Because it's about oh. this idea that you go to a hardware store, you it's get a gun. It's got a, it's got a price tag on it. Like a gun is that easy to get? So no, it, I, I think Brian Kent has the right idea. You have to show him buying the gun. The way in Sharky's machine, it shows him taking it out of the belt. Look, I'm sorry. I know it's lonely in jail with only Paul Weimer to keep you company because he's probably talking about Roman history or something. That's Paul Weimer. I understand you want company. You've got two more chances at company, Kelly. Want you ready? Uh, Scott yeah. Andrews. Let's see if he's going to prison. Uh oh, dear. This does not seem good. Kelly, Kelly, wand. Scott <laughs> oh Edges.
1: dear, this does not. seem Yeah.
0: Suddenly
1: <laughs> like we're in the remains of the day. That sounds like something from Now You See Me too.
0: Oh yeah, that's it. Cronenberg's Existence. <laughs> Jude Law mm-hmm. and Jennifer Jason Leigh go to a Chinese restaurant. Jude Law orders the special. The dish contains a variety of cooked reptiles, amphibians, fish, and birds. Both are disgusted, but Jude Law has a, quote, game urge that forces him to eat the dish and assemble a gun out of the leftover bone and gristle. Let's see. Ugh. Scott Andrews, we are going to revoke your 3x3 license for – What? That one's good. Uh, It might be good, but I don't think it's what... – it's, it's just crazy. Hey, let's make a crazy gun
1: assembly of No,
0: it. he bought it in a restaurant. It's, it's, it like, uh, it's like
1: in the line of fire, making a gun out of like, plastic or whatever.
0: Yeah, so Scott Andrews, let's see. We're just going to revoke your 3x3 three three license for, until the next time you send one in, at which point it will be reinstated, but for now it's revoked until then, and we're putting you in jail because I do like the fact that you, this is a kind of obscure, weird one, and I'm in the middle of kind of reappreciating Cronenberg these days after after seeing oh. Tower Heist, which is not a Cronenberg movie, but makes me appreciate Ben Wheatley's appreciation for Cronenberg. So Scott Andrews, all this is my as as the judge in this case, all this is my way of saying. You're only getting three days in prison.
2: Tower Heist makes you reappreciate Cronenberg. Did I, I say Tower to Heist? I meant
0: High Rise. Yeah, I was trying to figure out how meant oh. the entire Tower Heist. Oh my god, did I just call High Rise Tower Heist? Uh, I'm so bummed that you didn't really say that now. Boom. I damn should, it! I should put myself in jail. I should almost recuse myself from from this case.
1: Now we know how much you guys actually liked High Rise. Boom. Tower oh, Heist.
0: High both both yeah. High Rise and Neon Demon. Just every passing day, I like them more weird i need to watch Neon
2: demon again i know high rise the second time was what yeah, i need you.
1: to watch yeah. tower heist again that's good it's yeah, yeah. Passing
2: that's a, i prefer cronenberg's early funny oh. ones like different. like how about this hey what's
1: up what is
0: that was that oh was that oh was that eddie uh, eddie murphy to gabrielle jenwa <laughs> very good yeah is am i right that's that's yeah you're right. right and i got her name wrong does anyone know how to say her name it's the girl from precious i'm, I'm sad i don't know how to say her name
1: Lupita Nyong'o.
0: No, that's The Twelve Years of Slave. Uh, the Girl from Precious has this just – it's just – oh, this movie's so just crass and gross. Uh, in The Brothers Grimm, she's got this scene. Uh, in, you know, fucking Sasha Baron Cohen. Ugh. So anyway, she's in that. She's got just this really sad, gross, disgusting scene, which just made me feel bad for her. Isn't her name like Gabrielle something or am I screwing it up? In The but Brothers right. Grimm she yeah. does? Yeah, the thing with Mark Strong and uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Brothers mm. Grimby, sorry. Brothers Grim is Matt Damon and Heath Ledger, isn't it? What's the Brothers Bloom? That is Rachel Weiss in a Ryan Johnson movie. I don't remember who the lead is. Mark Ruffalo. Dingus, who are the Brothers Bloom? I remember Rachel Weiss, and that's about it.
1: I don't remember. I'm just thinking of Gabrielle, it's like Sidibe or something. Oh, you it's, know I what, I, Jesus, I bet you're right.
0: Cidibe. I'm going to go with Sidibe.
1: I, I can't movie. remember the Brothers Bloom, but I was looking at Brothers Bloom as a possible over-under this week.
0: Oh, for like – So re- I remember so little of that. Yeah. It was such a disappointment after seeing Brick and thinking, this guy's amazing, and then Brothers Bloom, and it's like, well, Rachel Weiss is good. <laughs> yep, and All she's right, I, the
1: only thing I remember. Rachel yeah. Weiss is the only thing I remember.
0: So let's see. We have Scott Andrews, Kelly Wand, and Paul Weimer in jail. Sebastian Dunn, let's see what you got. Well, interesting. Terminator 2, the scene where Arnold and Furlong are going through the weapons cache buried underground in the desert, specifically Arnie picking up the minigun and Edward Furlong saying, quote, it's definitely you. A little Uh... moment of bonding between man and machine, which I'm a complete sucker for in any medium. What? Sebastian Dunn. I right? problem
1: with this because I wanted to do uh, weapons cash as a separate
0: category. Yeah, well, so d- don't worry, Dingus. that's still on the table because Sebastian and uh, Sebastian Dunn is going to prison for five days. Ooh. <laughs> All right. So in prison, we have Paul Weimer for the most amount of time. Kelly Wan, you're the your second most amount of time. Then Scott Andrews. Then Sebastian Dunn. So prison's a little crowded. I'm going to need you guys to share a bunk. Uh, so just take turns sleeping. We don't have a lot of room in this prison. It's, there's a lot of overcrowding this week, I'm afraid. But That's what happens when you have strict gun laws, and it's the price you pay. What spoon? <laughs> Here you go. See what you guys get in prison? That's mm. that's what goes on there. You can make a shiv out of the spoons, by the way. Kelly, Wand, I don't want. Don't be shivving your fellow prison mates. Hey, I spent decades
2: thinking Brothers Karamazov was about acrobats because the word brothers.
0: Came oh, because it's the flying, the flying. Yeah, the shiv- flying Karamazov. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Oh no! And I was disappointed. Yeah. yeah. All right, runners-up, if not, because I think we went through a lot of great ones. I don't know if there are any left over.
1: Um, there's a did, – did you guys see The Brave One?
0: No, but I was thinking about that thing. It's like movies like The Brave One and then there's the Kevin Bacon one that James Wan did because Brave One is Neil Jordan. Yeah, how does Jodie Foster get a gun in that?
1: What? I don't know what the Kevin Bacon
0: one is. Uh, James Wan did a movie with Kevin Bacon avenging – Kelly Wan, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, He's avenging some guys who have, I don't know, killed his son or something. Uh, It's like a Death wishy kind of movie. It has a really cool set piece where he's fighting in a parked car that's on the top of a parking structure. And while they're having the fight, the parking brake gets put down, and the car starts rolling backwards. And he he seatbelts the guy into the car before it falls off the edge of the parking structure, and then he rolls out of the car. And that's how he kills his first guy. But that's it's, another revenge, revenge movie where I think he gets a gun at some point, and I didn't remember the specific scene. I wanted to look that up. But the seatbelts kill you. That's what, Right. That's where he kills someone with a seatbelt. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what's the scene from Brave One?
1: Brave One, she actually goes into a, a shop to get a gun, um, and she picks out one. You know, She's asking questions. She's super nervous about it. And then he tells her, well, you fill out this, and it'll be 30 days or whatever. And she's like, I need it now he's like, well, you can't have it now. And there's there's another dude in the back part of the shop or near the door who's listening to all this happen. And uh, before she leaves in disgust, he slips out the door. Mm -hmm. And basically he says, uh, I can get you the gun right now. And he takes her down this back alley and down this back staircase, and he shows her the gun. I mean, she doesn't know at all how the gun works. Um, But he tells her, like, I don't know, it's like. For like a thousand bucks, and he's going to throw in uh, a clip full of bullets and hollow points, um, and so he sells her the gun in this back alley, and he says he'll teach her how to use it. I think.
0: Does he teach her how to use it? Is it like I, I
1: don't remember. I mean, I I mean, I saw the brave one maybe a year and a half ago, so I don't. I just remember her going into the shop, being frustrated, and this guy hanging around the shop and saying, "Hey, come come with me. I'll sell you what you want." No. The other one, this is kind of a stretch. Uh, Firearm sales would be the opening of Iron Man um, where he's selling the military all of these weapons, and he sells them to Jericho, uh, and uh, that's kind of a goofy one.
0: I'm just saying you could have done some prison time with uh, Paul Weimer, Kelly Wan, Scott Andrews, and Sebastian Dunn. I
1: could have, but how about this one Uh, from um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang where um, Robert Downey Jr. throws the gun into the pond to get rid of the (laughs) evidence? and Val Kilmer's like my mom gave me that gun <laughs> and so my idea for bending this until I found the three I really loved was that the a- acquiring of the gun was as a birthday present for Val Kilmer from his mom
0: I might have let that pass, Angus. luckily we didn't have to find out, we didn't have to put that one before the court.
1: but I just love that whole thing of like, yeah, this is what somebody would do throw the gun in the pond and then Val <laughs> going where's my gun <laughs> My mom gave me.
0: Does Val Cameron's the one with the gun in his balls as well? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's great. Yeah. Remember? Why couldn't nice guys been of that? Been have yeah. been that good? You know? Oh, good, good point. point. Yeah. All right, Dingus What is next week's three by three? How can the wait? Uh, oh yes, scene. You want you want to extend your prison stay? Go on. Yes.
2: Well, Batman versus Superman. There's a good scene where Amy Adams
0: uh, gets a spear.
2: Does that count?
0: All right, let's see. Yeah, yeah, you're you're up there with 17 days. You and Paul Weimer now get the same term of of, of service in prison. All right, what was Dingus saying? <laughs> Dingus, before Kelly Wan ends up with like a life sentence or something, tell us next week's three by three and how the listeners can participate.
1: Right, these are your three favorite. Grab my hand. So, <laughs> I can't
0: wait to hear what Kelly Wan does with this. Take what's in your hand.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this, this was inspired by watching uh, Independence Day. Resurgence, um, where, uh, somebody pulled a helicopter up next to a building and, uh, tried to grab somebody's hand and that person fell anyway. Spoiler. So this is your three favorite grab my hand moments. Uh, these are not handshakes. These are, uh, a manly handshake does not ensue. Um, there should What be about jerking something. off? There should be. What about jerking off? <laughs>
2: I, I tried to say it as nasally as I could. I want that to be my ringtone.
1: What about... All right. This should be that, that uh, life-threatening moment where somebody says grab my hand. They don't have to say the line, but you know what I mean. Grab my hand. So your three favorite, grab my hand. Right. So all you have to do is write in your three favorite, grab my hand. Choice. Or fewer
0: than three, just so they know.
1: It, it can be one, it can be two, it can be three. Uh, don't send us five or six, or a script. But you can send us Two or one, that's fine.
0: However, but, Dingus, we should let the listeners know, if you want to write – if your three-by-three three pick involves some exhaustive explanation of an anime plot and it's Kelly Wan's three-by-three, three, please send those in. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. When Kelly Wan has a three-by-three, three, We he loves to read the plot of anime, complete with the names. Make sure you get a lot of proper nouns in there as well. Then just go hog wild.
1: Yeah, I'm with This you is how that. you
0: wind up with wheels of decisions, by the way.
1: <laughs> We're happy with that. Uh, so send those in to 3x3 at quarter dot com. That's 3x3 at quarter dot com, Spelled out uh, And also send in your thoughts about the next movie we're going to see To the same address Just uh, give it a different subject heading So that um, when I read them I don't have to look at the 3x3 things I can just look at
0: those Dingus, what will that movie be?
1: I believe that movie is going to be Ghostbusters Uh... Three?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, does it have a number? I thought it was like a reboot.
1: I thought it was Ghostbusters 3. Is it just Ghostbusters?
0: You might be right. I I know so little about it. I just, for some reason, thought it was a reboot. Oh. Let's oh. just
1: see the original then.
0: All right. I haven't probably since it was in theaters. That's sexist. Well, uh, so we'll be seeing that next week. Join us for that and the 3x3 of Taking Hands. I am Tom Not Chick. Taking Hands. Grab my hand. Well, what? Uh-oh. I feel like I'm going to get in trouble. Why not take...
1: Grab my hand, grab it. I'm just playing with you go ahead.
0: now, pump it well, I don't want to go to jail i you know I don't want yeah to...
1: look who's in there,. Ew. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Join us next week. I'm Tom Chick. I have been here with Christian Milstolopsky. It's Christian Morosky, and we had Kelly Wand now you heard this. <laughs> uh.
2: Da La 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 la. Dinkus, what about jerking off? I
1: didn't know you guys did party tricks when there are no floozies to impress.
3: I swore an oath
2: to keep
0: it secret. This lie has kept apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die.
3: That wasn't your choice, to make!
2: Michael Caine doesn't even sound British in that clip. Sleep. Oh. Oh. That'd be easy.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow.